the comic dispenses. <laughs> we crack up all the senses. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. episode of Sincast is brought to you by NatureBox. Get three free snacks with your first order. Just visit naturebox.com slash Sincast and use code SINS. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yellow. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Howdy, everyone. The million subscriber Music Video Sins. Oh, yeah. Hey. Oh, uh, we got to tweet out a picture of that gold record. Oh, uh, we yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people at our management company uh, to celebrate Music Video Sins passing a million subscribers got us a gold record plaque. It's an actual gold record. Yeah. They told us it's the same place that actually makes gold records for real artists when they, you know, have earned them. Yeah. Um, and it's got the music video since logo in the center, and it's all framed up. And ah, I love it. It's as so soon as awesome. I saw it, it's pretty I was freaking sweet. Um, but yeah, Barrett, good job on Woo-hoo. that million subscribers over there on hey, music video. Good job Sins. by everybody. Yeah. Um, today we're gonna get right into the uh, uh, Sincast Movie Club. You can find me in the club. You should join our club. You and your friend. Now, if you're not going to take this seriously, perhaps we should disband the club now. <laughs> <laughs> I love being a part of things. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about animated movies today. Mm-hmm. It's time for Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is that's in my head because they just talked about bringing it back. Is it, was, mm-hmm. it, was it Tiny Toons that, that said uh, we're comic dispensers? We crack up all the censors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Christopher Walken reading Lady yeah, Gaga. <laughs> We're comic dispensers. <laughs> we crack up all the senses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, um, Jesus. Anyway, we're going to talk about, you know, our, our best, our favorite, our under underrated, our uh-huh. underseen uh, movies that you should go watch. Now, who wants to kick us off with this? Well, I would like to say... Just to clarify, I think we're going to start structuring the movie club a little more uniformly week in and week out to where we will we'll have a genre or subgenre and mm-hmm. then we'll all have a best in that class, a favorite personal one in that class, a one that we think is underseen and one that we think is underrated. Yeah. So we'll all be basically making f- at least four recommendations uh, every movie club. Um, and I like that, too, because mm-hmm. it gives us a chance to talk about a, a variety, because especially the underrated category, because we don't have to choose an A-plus movie there. We can choose something that's a B and mm. say, people call this a D-minus, but it's actually pretty funny. We're but, pretty good. but most people are wrong. Most people are <laughs> wrong. So I personally think the best animated movie is The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best superhero movie. I think it's the best Pixar movie. How could I not say it's the best animated movie when we're talking about this genre i also stole another one from you guys by listing the iron giant oh yeah um one of the only movies uh made me ball like mm. movies have made me tear up plenty but that movie made me cry like i was five years old all over again uh and they both start with i yeah and they're both brad bird both brad and they bird. are both brad bird and i think that is not a coincidence yeah, you know what <laughs> iron giant actually could fit under several categories in the best favorite underrated so on and so yeah forth. you're right 
Uh, I don't know about underrated, but all the other ones, underseen for sure. Oh, yeah. Your favorite for sure, best for sure. It's one of those. Uh, it didn't make a lot of money even. No, it made almost no money. I remember it coming out. Uh, we were at Hollywood 27 at the time that it came out, and nobody saw that movie. There was mm -hmm. occasional you know, mom and her kid sitting in there, maybe dispersed into this empty auditorium every time I started that movie. Um, but the Iron Giant is just tremendous. Do you think Vin Diesel could just have a voiceover career at this point? Yeah, and well, be be huge. He, he has just with he, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but, you're, but you're saying he didn't even need to do Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, he, he didn't could, need to go in there with the arm. He butter could be like, like Alan Tudyk or somebody yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. You know? Yeah, or Harry Shearer, yeah, or, or Dan Castellaneta. I'm always thrown off whenever I see him in person. Oh, I know, because I'm like, you're a voice guy. What are you doing well, on this and, show? And you're always like trying to decipher how Homer comes out of his voice a <laughs> yeah. lot of times because it doesn't look like it should. Yeah, because he's always talking like this and everything, and you're like, where's Homer and all of that? <laughs> um, uh, my wife and I always quote the Iron Giant, specifically. Uh, the scene where Harry Connick Jr. lets him have espresso. <laughs> he's like, I can have coffee. I can eat you. Like, this is like Coffeezilla, kid. And he's like, oh, mm -hmm. give it to me. And then like, it cuts right to this hyperactive kid pacing around the room, <laughs> talking about school and how they always, because I'm a shrimpy dork. And uh, <laughs> we also quote that, if they just do the homework uh, from that little rant. Uh, that whole movie is just brimming with charm. I love the classic animated look of it. Mm -hmm. You know, in addition to the era that they're going back to set this in. Uh, There's something very nostalgic about it, especially, I think, if you grew up when we did in the 80s with some of that old school animation still kind of being the main thing. Uh, I love, love, love this movie. Super short. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've never seen it, you're not making that big a commitment on time. Um, great voice work from some people you don't usually expect, yeah, like Jennifer Aniston. That's what I was about to get to. You have Harry Connick Jr. and Jennifer Aniston yep. and uh, Christopher McDonald. He's and, hilarious yeah. in this movie. Um. Yeah, it's not like a a huge name cast. Even Aniston, really, I mean, really just known for Friends at sure. that point. Um, and I guess to some extent, still is. Uh, never mm -hmm. really had that huge takeoff as a movie star. But that's true, man. If you polled, not for lack of trying, no, she yeah, tried. If you polled a hundred people and said, "What is Jennifer Aniston famous for?" It would be Friends or or being Brad, Brad Pitt's Pitt. wife. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so sad it because is. she's been in probably what like. 60, 70 movies at this point. She's been in a lot. I don't know about that many, but she's been in a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, there was a period there where she just it seemed like she was tr just in every romantic comedy yep. and she was like ensemble a, pieces out the ass. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and she's, I think, has always been good mm -hmm. too. It's just she never really kind of broke out to became that movie. Oh, and even, mm. even like in, in a showy type of role like Horrible Bosses. Yeah. Uh, where you you kind of think, okay, that's her breakout comic performance. She's always just a, a cog in that movie's whole wheel. It's not like uh, she's the reason you went to go see them. No, movies. no, no. I mean, yeah, but she's she's really really good in all those. I mean, mm -hmm. she was in the good. We're derailing, but like she was in the Good Girl, which is such a fantastic yeah. movie. She's great in it. Gyllenhaal is fantastic, and then John C. Riley's great in that. But she's like, she grounds that thing. And I never saw Cake. Did you ever see Cake? Mm -mm. Uh, she was apparently really good in that, what? too. Cake? Oh, that's, I don't know. It I was, was a recent one. I immediately went to the the band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I have like a, I've watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall so much now. I have like a Pavlovian 
response to the Universal logo. So if, I, if I'm on a movie channel and I see the Universal logo come up, I will hear that cake song from the opening. That opens for getting Sarah Marshall. I'll hear it even when it's a completely different Universal movie. It's just in my Is that head. Love You Madly? Is that yeah. the song? Yeah. Ooh. By the way, good call on Jennifer Aniston. 63 credits. Oh, okay. Good so, call. You've them. got Chris-like on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Jennifer Aniston so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> um yes we have derailed um oh we not, were on the iron giant yeah 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 not to pun jennifer aniston there we derailed derailed oh, oh, nice nice, nice. Mm-hmm. slip that one by me yeah yeah I, I actually did not mean that it was, <laughs> it's like how'd that how'd that happen best 20 dollars. anyway yes spent. the iron giant is amazing uh and and you're talking about how you know hardly anybody saw it and everything it was in that era of time where the computer animation had had really sort of like sunk its roots down and there was a there was sort of a, a tug of war as to whether or not people were going because it's the computer animation or and people would just out, out you know outgrown the traditional animation and everything i think it's silly because the best stories were going towards that computer animation yeah and that's the reason why people were going i mean we saw the traditional animated stuff like the road to el dorado yeah. and and the prince of egypt and uh what was it? there were several others that tried to come out uh, was it sinbad the, oh. the brad oh, pitt voyage one? of the seven seas voyage of the yeah, seven yeah, yeah. seas that one tried to come out during all that time. Uh, Treasure Planet, which I think a lot of these started getting some computer animation, but they weren't like they weren't like all completely right. hand drawn. But they were still in that two D sort of world, mm-hmm. and all of them sort of flopped. and And it was because they sucked. It wasn't really <laughs> yeah, because yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, that was another one of those casualties of that. You know, people didn't really. I don't think Warner Brothers really thought much of that movie when they you know launched it came mm. out in like in august or something mm-hmm. yeah i don't remember it having a lot of marketing and that either. was 1999 right yeah. so that was just a loaded year too it was yeah. it's an easy year to get overlooked yeah one of the uh, movies that i remember first like knocking me out with computer generated effects in a traditionally animated movie was aladdin oh yeah and seeing the the big head of the cougar or jaguar or whatever the hell that thing was mm-hmm. that came out a non-desert animal obviously is what i'm talking <laughs> <Right>. about <laughs> but, who disturbs my slumber yeah that but that was yeah exactly first of all it was terrifying to me um yeah because i was still a kid at that point when i saw it but uh yeah i mean aladdin um it's one of the best i think of all time man if you if you got good music in an animated really anything but especially an animated movie you got me hooked and aladdin has sneakily one of the best soundtracks of all time I it think. does those songs are I, I probably mentioned this before i watched aladdin left and right my freshman year of college a mm. group of friends that i had we just pop that movie in whenever we were hanging out together um and it is very singable mm-hmm. and I, I think i even mentioned this before i used to do an aladdin impression oh, of yeah. one of the songs I was pretty good at it, but I'm so haven't done it in 20 years. I'm not going to do it cold on the podcast. Uh, the other thing Aladdin has going for it that I think makes it one of the best of all time is that Robin Williams, um, you know, rapid fire Disney. It's got carte blanche. Disney movies had never had anything like that, yeah. where it's just he might be on screen for a three minute scene and he'll say 17 funny <laughs> things before he's gone. And, you know, I, I think they let him riff endlessly when he was doing his recording and they, you know, kept the best stuff, if you will, and then animated around it. Do you, you know, like seeing the genie 
bend his face into Dangerfield's face to <laughs> do that Rodney Dangerfield no respect thing. It just it's zany and wacky and a mile a minute, and none of the other Disney movies from this era have that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I can't believe it. I'm losing to a rug. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I used to sing all those songs. Even to this day, if somebody says something about something looks lovely, I'll say, don't they look lovely, June? Fabulous, Harry. Love the feathers. Um, super quotable, super relatable lead character. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it it does almost everything right. Uh, yeah. I can't fault that. I think I like Beauty and the Beast a little better if we're talking about this, the particular era of the 90s mm-hmm. of Disney animation, but Aladdin's just too much fun. Yeah, to me, it's got that wild card of the, yes, the better story probably is Beauty and the Beast, but that wild card of the genie is just, I don't know, it that takes it up several several notches. Oh, me. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Disney had a huge renaissance during that period. Mm-hmm. Little Mermaid sort of kicked it off, and then Aladdin, I mean, Beauty and the Beast was next, and then Aladdin, and then Lion King sort yeah. of culminated that whole thing. Uh, you had mentioned The Incredibles earlier. Mm. All, the Pixar had this stretch, same kind of stretch in, in the mid-2000s, and that was when they had The Incredibles kicked it off, and then there was Ratatouille and Wally and Up yep. all came out, and they were all amazing. My best is going to be Wally, uh, yeah. although you guys sort of picked the better ones <laughs> there. Sorry. Um, the, Wally, of course, sort of falls off towards the end but it's still enjoyable a very enjoyable movie even oh, when yeah. they go up into the ship and everything like that but you know the while while we see wally on earth that is some of the most magical Ugh. movie stuff you're ever going to see it really is i could watch like an entire series episodic television series of wally's adventures on earth mm-hmm. like before the movie is taking place yeah in I, fact i wish that's way the movie i mean when you see where the movie is headed you i, I kind of wish that's what it was mm-hmm. like just him being by himself yeah and then maybe maybe eve shows up but never ever go up into space ever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i would have preferred that adventure if like eve shows up and somehow calls for the ship to come back and then there's still adventures they have to go through on you know desolate earth or what have you yeah i think the first 20 minutes of wally is as strong as any 20 minutes of any film mm-hmm. really i don't it's just a masterpiece yeah um such a lovable character that barely speaks mm-hmm. this is you know a showcase for how you can emote a, a character and connect them to an audience without words I and mean, you do it with facial expressions and largely Wally's done with posture and his eyes and the way his eyes change shape and expression. Um, it's you, crazy how they can do that. It started with that lamp yeah. in that first short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then most recently, I watched one of the uh, the submissions for best animated shorts for the last year's Oscars. Mm-hmm. And they did this little beach bird story. Yeah. yeah. And where this, this little timid bird is trying to go out to the water to pick up a sand crab and everything. Probably lasts seven, eight minutes or something like mm-hmm. that. But you will be like riveted to yeah. this the entire time because of just little mannerisms. When like I was that. at Disney uh, with my family for vacation, a lot of the a lot of the channels are Disney mm-hmm. channels. Like a shameful number of them are Disney channels. <laughs> like there's probably twenty Disney channels to flip through before you get to like ABC and all that shit. Anyway, one of them I I stopped on was playing some kind of documentary interview with John Lasseter about that tin toy and that first uh, Luxo Junior lamp short that he mm-hmm. made. And how they knew, even even back then, once that lamp short was finished, they realized once we can anthropomorphize these inanimate objects, you know, everything 
opens up story-wise. And, of course, he even says Toy Story is born out of this very concept. When we did Tin Toy, you know, we realized, hey, we can make toys that talk and move and, mm-hmm. and you can feel sorry for them and whatnot. Just fascinating um, what they're able to do at Pixar in terms of getting us to feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they get that section in Up where yeah. you do the montage of the couple and you've got Wally and he's so expressive. It's very impressive. And I think a lot of times we take it for granted. That's mm-hmm. the uh, the thing you're talking about. The There's no real dialogue in the beginning of it. The, my favorite part of Wally is when you see his tread start to like, you know, he started to rumbling down the, you know, the, the dirt roads and everything. And he's like, you know, he looks down and then he, go searching through all this junk for the other wallies that were in yeah. there and everything. And he looks, he looks at this little tread and he looks at his little, you know, cockroach friend and he looks back. And then the next scene is him smoothly, you know, uh, <laughs> moving along and sort of looking back at the cockroach. See that worked kind of, kind of a, sort of a nod, you know, I love that type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, all that stuff with the cockroach is great when he thinks he kills him and freaks out. Yeah. And, <laughs> of course, cockroaches are basically, unkillable yeah 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 <laughs> uh, so yeah wally's fantastic i mean even if we hadn't chosen the ones we did uh, wally's worth a mention in the best animated films discussion mm-hmm. in my book all mm-hmm. right so we've talked about best how about your favorites oh what do you think my favorites obviously the incredibles would be up there but because i'm trying to talk about some extras uh I mentioned in the last podcast uh, how much wreck it ralph wowed me when i first saw it i was expecting nothing um i fucking love wreck it ralph yeah. mm-hmm. like I, I went on a tweet storm for a long time where every now and then I would just tweet out, Wreck-It Ralph is better than Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> part, of, part of that was just because Frozen was getting obviously too much love. It's I think Frozen is great, but it like became Citizen Kane for a while there. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Wreck-It Ralph is better than Tangled, Big Hero 6, uh, most of what Disney and Pixar have been putting out lately. Um, and, uh, so that's my, that's one of my favorites. And for an old school, I'm going to go back to the Disney Robin Hood. Um, oh, nice. And, wow. Uh, yeah. The not really in Nottingham. Like oh God, dude. It, uh, it is. Yeah. I remember it being really enjoyable. It, I watched the shit out of that movie. That huh. is probably how I know the Robin Hood story most is because of that movie. Interesting. And you know, you later on, you see by Prince, Prince of Thieves or whatever with Kevin Costner. And I'm like, he's not a fox. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Um, That's the least believable thing about that. That's sort of why Kevin Costner's career derailed was because he was he was unable to play foxes. I know, legitimately. Yeah, and and it's actually there's a book about it. I think somebody wrote it Mm -hmm. uh, how how bad Costner is at playing foxes and how it basically damned him. Yeah, written Mm -hmm. written by Jamie Fox. I'm actually excited about (laughs) Costner's next project. Mm -hmm. It's a series, and it's a western. And it's the guy that wrote Hell or High Water is Ooh. writing it. Oh, man. And um, I, that excites me greatly. Yeah. Um, anyway, so those are mine. Uh, the old school Robin Hood from, I think, like, 81, maybe? Or no, that was Fox and Hound. 79, 78? Anyway, back in that era, mm-hmm. uh, that's some good shit. Uh, that's my favorite. The songs are awesome and fun. And it's only, like, I think 68 minutes long or some shit. Yeah, it's those like, uh, those old Disney animated movies, they're like, you know, they're like uh, 45 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that was 1973, by the way. Wow, even older than I thought. Yeah. All right. That's crazy. Two years before I was born, they made a movie, and then my mom showed it to me a lot, and I loved that. And Man. that and Wreck-It Ralph. You know, we're going to stay on Disney a lot, because... Uh, minus the Nightmare Before Christmas, my oh, favorite. Oh, mm-hmm. and see, you. this is one that he stole from me. Because mm-hmm. when I saw this one on the list, I was like, damn it, I can't put that one anywhere. Because <laughs> I could put that under best or favorite. Or yeah, even yeah. 
probably underseen, although it's developed quite a strong cult following. But when it came out, it didn't make a ton of money, and it didn't. I don't think it had a big following for uh, several years. But now you see Jack Skellington fucking everywhere. I think it did okay, actually. I, it may have not have been a huge blockbuster, mm-hmm. but I think it did okay. I'm I I don't know the top of my head, but it, I think it did all right, like a fifty sixty million type mm-hmm. of movie or something like that. Uh, I don't think I watched this for the longest time because our theater, my theater at the time, didn't get it. Oh, really? And so, yeah, we were in uh, that weird Miles Rule thing yeah. where, like, if the Franklin Cinema, like, the two screen really wanted to get a movie, they would get that one. Because they would, you know, they would miss so many other big movies. Mm-hmm. So they would have their choice sometimes. And that's when they got. Well, this is another one that the music just kills me. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I got inappropriately excited when Jeremy did an outtake with <laughs> the the Jack's Lament song <laughs> over Superman <laughs> over and Super- Justice League. <laughs> I love that outtake. What have I done? Because it's exactly what's on his face in that scene. He's covering Perfect. his eyes and everything. It's hilarious. But uh, no, I mean the music because it's Danny Elfman singing the the character of Jack Sparrow. Of Jack Sparrow. Ha. Of Jack Skellington, and then it's uh, Chris Sarandon doing the voice. Yeah. Um, but they mesh really, really well. And Danny Elfman has a really powerful voice. Is this I, Jack the Pumpkin King? Yeah. Uh, and the aesthetics, and now it's become like almost like integrated into like the hot topic gothic culture. And everything. it really has, almost in a sad way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's definitely been co-opted. Yeah, he's like it's like putting Calvin on the back of your car peeing on something. <laughs> it doesn't mean you really understand or love this film like you should. Yeah. Uh, but the what's this song? Yeah. When he first goes to Christmas Land is one of the most delightful musical numbers because it's so macabre like mm-hmm. it's so dark it's children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads <laughs> everything to him doesn't make sense but he's delighted by it uh, and that's that's i think is the centerpiece of that whole movie that that glues it all together but yeah you're right all the mu- music is fantastic uh i can't fault a thing about that movie <laughs> it's also the only thing did you ever take like a sculpture class or anything like that mm-hmm. uh in college or in high school uh, I'm a terrible sculptor, and the only thing I could do Most was a round sorry. head with my thumbs oh. pointed in there for the eyeballs. <laughs> so you made and, like, Jack's put head. A little, yeah, but made Jack's head. That's the only thing I could do. <laughs> I was like, look, I made another Jack Skellington. The guy's like, oh, come on. <laughs> Make a vase or something. Yeah. <laughs> do something useful. Do something useful. Um, all right. So my favorite is a movie we've talked about quite a bit uh on this podcast south park bigger longer and uncut nice talk about music man yeah absolutely great music talk Uh, to kids around the world it might go something like this (laughs) (laughs) this is a i've seen this uh more than probably any cartoon out there Mm -hmm. uh and and it's i don't know if i don't know if it's completely aged well since 1999 Mm mm-hmm uh, but uh, overall, it's it's great because of those songs and, oh, the, songs and are amazing. the songs are so good because they actually made like so believable musical songs and they're all great, especially up there. Yeah, yeah. The uh, <laughs> the um, was the one that got the one that got nominated was uh, Blame Canada. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, which I think is a good one, but it, it's not. It, I think it pales in comparison oh, to yeah. many of the other ones that are on there. And I love the little medley they do at the end where they just mash up all yeah. the other songs. Yeah, that Les Mis yes. Revolution <laughs> song is fan-fucking-tastic. so wrong, too. Like, when you look at the lyrics that are in that Les Miserables <laughs> thing where it's like, you know, it might cut your dick in half and you, and you, cut, and you dance the dickless jig. <laughs> <laughs> um stuff like that and up there of course has that great you know what is evil anyway <laughs> is the reason to the run <laughs> i like to sing the uh the don't swear song oh yeah yeah to the point it's where easy, I okay <laughs> step one to the shit <laughs> what is it step one say instead of shit say poo <laughs> this poo is cold okay, yeah, yeah. Cold. <laughs> yeah like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of examples that they go through you shouldn't and they say ending. fuck no you shouldn't say fuck, <laughs> fuck no <laughs> okay you can go um yeah those so- those songs are great and the message of that movie is pretty fantastic too because you know they, yeah, and it's at the very, you know, it's what Sheila Brothlowski says at the uh, towards the end of it. It's like, you know, horrible, deplorable violence is okay as long as nobody says any dirty words. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty much what we, you know, like I guess enlightened Americans. I don't want to mean condescending or mm-hmm. anything, but our enlightened Americans look at it and go. You know, yeah, why are why is stuff like sex and and swear words so much worse than like showing decapitations and, yeah. and stuff like that? Why? Why? Yeah, I don't get it, but you can tell when the governor cap is off for these guys, they just go all in. I mean, it's just like fuck 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 fuck. fuck. Oh, the the uh, Uncle Fucker song yeah. is the perfect Well, and it's so <laughs> early in the movie, it's jarring yeah. if you're not ready for it. Well, and you see the kids reactions were like, "What?" Donkey raping shitty. Baby brother's like donkey And then by the end of it, they're just like bouncing along, like all smiling. And, and, and then they go and tell their friends and everything. And it's like it's like it's like, hey, Stan, tell 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 Wendy about the time where he, where Philip called Terrence a testicle shitting rectal wart. <laughs> and it's and there, there's something about the delivery of that that is so funny to me because first off you've already told everybody what that <laughs> but then like yeah hey let's let's talk about this scene as something that, that is great and something that is you know i also what? love how he pukes every time that girl talks to him yep she comes up what's is that stan yeah, yeah. hi stan yeah it's something they sort of established in the uh, the first couple of seasons is every time wendy showed up he would he would vomit in her face yeah. and everything and um, then when they come in and uh like uh the the kid breaks on his skate and the vomit flies up into his yeah, face. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah but my favorite is when cartman uh when they come out and they're telling their friends about it they're like uh where'd you learn how to talk about talk like that and carbon walks away and he's like yeah it's pretty fucking sweet <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. i also like the depiction of movie theater employees with yes, the box office yes. this movie has naughty language <laughs> that big beautiful song that opens up no swear words in yeah. that at all and everything and they're like going to the terrence and philip movie and everything and it's like i'd like five tickets for terrence and philip asses of fire please <laughs> No! <laughs> <laughs> he 
<laughs> smile. Yeah. Oh, they get a beautiful. homeless guy to buy them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, this this movie might not be appropriate for your young ones. He's like, hey, he may have said this might be not appropriate for you. Hey, man, if you don't want your your five dollars and get your and get your vodka, you be here. I guess five tickets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that movie, I mean, yeah, it just goes to show we can sit here and talk about. That. I could go through that whole movie yes. right now and everything, and that's how how good it is. Um, there's not many cartoons for adults out there. No. Um, heavy metal was one and it's mm-hmm. debatable as to whether that's an adult com- cartoon, yeah. even though it's got nudity in it yeah, and, yeah. Other, and, uh, whatever. Uh, it's more like a teenage adolescent type of, what uh, is the point of heavy metal? Oh, geez. To, uh, well, I think if you take some drugs, you might find the point. Oh, okay. Mm. That's it's that kind of movie. I yeah, think. yeah. yeah. If, if I was like the hash kind of guy, or you know, which I'm not, um, I might could enjoy heavy metal. But I remember we were in it in college because you know, cartoon with nudity. All mm-hmm. right, and we just were bewildered. Yeah, exactly. I've watched it a couple of times. It's like Same the thing. Simpsons kids coming out of naked lunch. Like <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what our faces were like. Like what? Why did we watch this? What yeah. was that? It was basically just a movie that they they. It was like here, you know, heavy, you know, heavy metal is is uh, popular right now. Let's make a whole movie with like you know Sammy Hagar and shit like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, and then have all these like you know these loose. Uh, they're all not they're unconnected stories yeah no and, i can't follow it and at there's all. the the nerdy kid who turns into the big handsome adonis guy yeah that, that's the probably my favorite part of that movie yeah. because he's like hmm different and he looks down <laughs> at his penis and he's like hmm big <laughs> <laughs> but there's not very many like there's not many of these like r-rated cartoons i mean yeah i mean sausage party came out and you have a couple here and there i I guess they have a hard time marketing those because cartoons they i mean they sausage party they actually had to go out and say this no was i think it was ted ted was yeah because of the teddy bear they had to go out on the poster and say not for kids (laughs) don't take your kids to this teddy bear movie and stuff like that and they have to kind of do that with all these you know raunchy cartoons a lot of times not for your kids don't take it in here i know it looks friendly but it's not which is kind of interesting i think culturally that you, you at least here in america i bet you over you know in asia this is different i bet there's a lot more adult oriented animation that's done i don't follow the world of, world of anime very much mm-hmm. but uh, if it's a cartoon we assume it's safe for kids that's just how it kind of works right like mm-hmm. at disney they had a big tv playing cartoons in the lobby send my brother's kids over there watch cartoons while we go do check in or buy something from the gift shop we just assume they're not watching heavy metal <laughs> right especially <laughs> yeah, at the disney all- resort <laughs> <That'd be awesome. laughs> but uh you know if you think about way back in the day cartoons while probably being made for kids should not have been like I'm talking about all these Bugs Bunny cartoons with all the violence and all the gun shit and sometimes casual racism and misogyny and whatnot. And cartoons began kind of as a very adult medium, at least in terms of the content and has has grown into this thing where we just assume it's animated. It's for kids. Mm -hmm. So yes, if I'm the money guy at a studio, I'm probably not going to green light, adult you know r-rated animated movie because yeah. i i don't want to spend too much money trying to figure out how to market it mm. well, and I mean, you know sausage party i don't think did shabby but i don't think it was any kind of runaway it was a hit. pretty big hit was it really uh, yeah i mean it 
you know, there was more controversy about what they paid the animators and everything on, on that movie than anything. But, uh, I think it, I don't know if it, I don't think it hit quite a hundred million, but it did hit around, it was like 80 or 90 All right. somewhere around there. It did, it did pretty well. Um, but yeah, you know, that's the thing you have to, you have to, you're not going to, you're going to lose a lot of your audience that would be attracted to a cartoon. Um, and, and I think there's maybe something unsettling about seeing cartoon because we are so used to these things being family fair, right? There is something very unsettling about seeing violence and even that justice words. league flashpoint paradox. Yeah. Wonder woman holds up the severed head of Mira. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck movie? This <laughs> yeah. is for kids. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to read this thing that uh, Matt Stone, when they were going through the MPAA, yeah. they sent, there's a memo, the MPAA, like, basically they put a lot of bad stuff they had no intention of keeping in the movie yeah. so that the MPAA could come back and say, cut this, cut this, cut this, and they pat pat themselves on the back over yeah. it and everything. Uh, the But it says... Um, Here's our new cut of the South Park movie to submit to the MPAA. I wanted to tell you exactly what notes we did and did not address. Number one, we left in both the fisting and the rim job references in the counselor's office scene. We did cut the word hole from asshole as per our conversation. <laughs> Number two, we took out the entire God has fucked me in the ass so many times. <laughs> It is gone. <laughs> Although it is not animated yet, we put a new storyboard in for clarification in the scene with Saddam Hussein's penis. <laughs> the intent now is that you never see Saddam's real penis. He is, in fact, using dildos both times. <laughs> <laughs> number four. As in. Number four. We have the shot animated that reveals the fact that Winona is not shooting ping pong balls from her vagina. <laughs> She is, in fact, hitting the balls with a ping pong paddle. <laughs> Number five, we took out the only reference to come sucking ass in the film. <laughs> wow. It was in the counselor's office and we took it out. <laughs> Number six, we left in the scenes with Cartman's mom and the horse as per our conversation. This is the one joke we really want to fight for. <laughs> Call with any questions. Matt, P.S. This is my favorite memo ever. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. That's so <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. So uh, we've gone through our best and our favorites. What do you guys feel is really underseen? Oh, there? yeah. Well, I'm going to cheat and drop tube with a little quick one here. Talking about movies that either are or should be for adults when they're animated i wrote down secret of nim as a movie that's under yes. oh, yeah, yeah. in fact i very close very nearly put this in my favorite category. it's so good but it i wouldn't show it to anybody who's too young because there's mm -hmm. it's fucked up yeah yeah um but and it's also older but i just don't i don't really ever hear any except for russell who we worked with at the mm. theater who i actually watched this movie with twice really two separate occasions hmm. um uh, I don't hear people talk about this movie. You, you'll hear references to Dark Crystal ten times more often than you will Secret of Nim, um, and it can't. There's era similar, mm -hmm. and also tone tonally, I think similar. Yep. Uh, but so Secret of Nim, check it out. Uh, this was this is Don Bluth, who's a legend. Yeah, yeah. And um and the the I remember watching this movie all the time when yeah. I was a kid because HBO used to play it all the time. And I, I what I can say about this movie is that. 
they don't make family movies like this anymore. Mm. It is this would scare the fuck out of children these days. Yep. Oh, yeah, yep. because especially the owl that she goes to see, yep. and, like there, you know, there's like there's like the satisfying crunch of of the owl like grabbing like a rat or something <laughs> like that. Like he's there's a point where he's talking to Miss Frisbee, and Fris and she's like kind of afraid of for her life too during this whole thing. But while they're talking, he just like he goes over and stomps on something and like. Like, eats it <laughs> and and it's and it sort of adds to the sort of the tension of the scene because she's got to ask him for something yeah I can't some kind of favor that owl is fucking scary man wow. the whole movie is full of creepy scary things and and yet it's not a horror movie or anything mm-hmm. it's just it's i think it's just more that what we've been talking about when you see animation you're not expecting some of the harsher stuff uh, that this movie has now the one i really want to label as my underseen i mentioned before i believe when we were doing the best of the years uh and that's the animated curious george with will ferrell oh yeah. yeah i really really enjoy this movie and i don't know why it it's off everyone's radar mm-hmm. i just don't hear anyone ever mention it i don't hear anyone sing the jack johnson songs mm-hmm. from the soundtrack except when they played on the radio and people don't even realize they're from the because he did like several songs for that soundtrack i think he d- even did the score some mm-hmm. of it uh, simple adventure, you know, you know the story of Curious George, how the man in the yellow hat ends up with a monkey, but this is a very good interpretation that's funny. Will Ferrell is not super Will ferrell because mm-hmm. I think in person, on live action, he's a very physical kind of comedian in many ways, like that whole... Frank the Tank shit from yeah. old school and being naked running. A lot of his comedy is physicality. Um, but you, you strip all that away and, and he's he just has really great timing with some of his lines. A lot of throwaway lines where he's talking to himself or talking to the monkey, which is basically talking to him, oh, the chimp. Sorry, I'm going to get hammered for <laughs> mislabeling that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think it's really, again, another one that's super short, like probably 72 minutes. And I don't think it made much at the box office, um, came and went, but I sure do enjoy it. My wife and I rented it one day and just fell in love. Now we own it. I still haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen it. You've brought this one up a couple of times and I, I still haven't seen it. I, I just, my son loves this movie. Oh yeah. No, it's fun. So, so it's you've seen it. Oh yeah. 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 It's really enjoyable. It's not Pixar level greatness. I'm mm-hmm. not telling you, you missed out on a gem, but it is it is better that it is good enough that I feel like people should be talking about it more often or referencing it more often. No, it's hilarious. Yeah. And it's got some great sight gags in it too. Like I I love that monkey. One of the that chimp, I don't know. Uh one of the most fun books that I could read to my kid when he was younger was Curious George yeah. because it it's like how can he fuck up this situation? Yep. And then how can he fuck that situation up even more? <laughs> He's a big fuck up. And then how can he be forgiven for fucking up all this stuff? And then always ends with like him joining a parade, thrown in his <laughs> yeah. honor or something like that. Like, oh, the monkey ended up saving the day. <clears throat> no, it's it's really fun. Yeah, it's, it's got. We, we, my wife and I quote this movie too. Yeah. The Will Ferrell lines, like he gets, he puts on the the slicker and the hat because it's raining or whatever. Mm. But then like all of his shit drifts away on the boat i think if i'm remembering it right mm. he's watching it sail away and he goes goodbye all my non-yellow things because <laughs> he's completely dressed in yellow just little subtle things like that uh i really like it i thought i give it two jeremy thumbs up nice by the way just to interject about secret of nim the story i remember this i kind of remember this now like he, she, she's got a sick kid mm-hmm. and she has to go say go save her sick kid and i think i think the part of it is that they need to move wherever they're from to get him to be you know well again uh-huh. or whatever but uh voices include 
friend of the show, Derek Jacoby. Oh, as, oh nice. As Nicodemus. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, child stars Shannon Doherty and Will Wheaton. Oh, wow. Bad voices. How did that. I never know Will Wheaton was a voice in that? <laughs> the voice of Martin. That's and, very interesting because he, he's very active online mm-hmm. and talks frequently about like stuff like Stand By Me or mm-hmm. Next Generation, but I don't think I've seen him ever mention Secret in Him. Interesting. Very interesting. And I said Mrs. Frisbee because that's what the book called her was Miss Frisbee. The book is called Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Mm-hmm. Then they changed it to the Secret of Nim and they changed her name to Mrs. Frisbee. Oh, and what the fuck? I guess because of Frisbee, like Americans oh, are stupid. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Either that or a lawsuit from the Frisbee Corporation. It, it could be. Mm-hmm. It's probably something like that. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, what else? Underseen. Well, this is a very underseen uh, animated film, and it's going completely away from the Disney genre, like Jeremy started. Uh, it's called Persepolis. Oh, oh I love Persepolis. You're uh, gonna score with the film school crowd, man. This movie is so fucking amazing. It is awesome. It's it's powerful. It's the most moving animated movie I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and so much so that you forget almost what you're watching because. The animation is atypical, like it's it's fantastical at times and then it's realistic at times and just the way that it's shot and the way that the story is told and the vulnerability in her voice. This is Marianne uh, Satrapi, uh, an Iranian immigrant um, that was trying to make her way in Europe and everything while still connected to her family at home uh, during the Islamic Revolution. And man, it will punch you in the gut uh, Mm -hmm. between the interactions with her grandmother, the interactions with her family overall, her kind of journey through puberty and relationships and things like that. And through academics, Ah, it's so great. It's and, so great. And that's a tech, that's a uh I believe an R-rated cartoon. It's uh It may be, yeah. Uh it but it's not R-rated in the way that you would think of an R-rated cartoon. Yeah. I think it's just like language and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, probably so, yeah. Yeah, um but yeah, I remember watching this and it was just it was just super good. Just It's a, tense as hell too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a a time where Anybody and everybody could be thrown in jail for, uh, you know, violating the the Shah or later on the the government's um, decrees. And they were hyper religious and they were hyper um, strict. And if you went out of line, you'd get arrested and probably killed in jail like her uncle does. I'm pretty sure there are still places like that in the Middle East. Yep. I yeah. just I just looked at PG thirteen, but uh-huh. it's it's still sort of an adult type of cartoon. This yeah. is not something you're like, hey, get the kids in the car and you know. Let's no, enjoy yeah. our our evening, our our afternoon. You My know. God! And it, when she is a child, because it follows her from being a, a young child all the way up to adulthood. When she's a child, she's the most precocious, like adorable child. I mean, she's just always happy. She's always like engaged, even with all this crazy shit going on around mm. her. Um, she is that that light out of there, and that helps her family get through this hard time. Um, and then you see that innocence just wane away and get chipped away. All this crazy shit happens. And man, it's so good. I'll have to I rewatch this again. one. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out, actually. And But yeah, I want to get a sort of revisit that one. Um, and on my underseen, I was going to say Red Turtle because I, I still feel like a lot of people haven't seen that yeah. but i have a better choice as far as this underseen well, red turtle is a great one so because the red because the red turtle is I, I believe a lot of people on their alternative animation jumped on kubo and the two in the you know kubo and the two strings mm, right uh 
and 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 it, it's well worth it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like the Red Turtle. I mean, sort of similarly themed. That's such a beautiful movie. So uh, definitely go watch that. Uh, one one popped in my head though. Um, uh, a movie that came out in 2015, Anomalisa. Oh. oh. Uh, Charlie Kaufman uh, yeah. directed with Duke Johnson and uh, wrote the script, of course, and everything. It's it's only three people as far as voice actors because the story is uh, this guy who travels a lot away from his wife and everything. Um, he everybody sounds the same to him. So Tom Noonan plays like everybody else like oh, everybody wow. in this and it's david thewlis plays the the main guy so like basically this guy is attracted to a different voice is basically what he what his what it comes down to and he finally hears jennifer jason lee's voice and he strikes up a conversation with her and everything like that mm-hmm. um and uh so so the the movie is really like it's it's funny and darkly darkly funny and sad and a lot of different things all at once because this guy is very lonely you can tell you can tell that from his perspective everything just sucks because everybody sounds the same and looks the same like i didn't even really recognize this at the beginning uh but like as he's walking through the airport everybody's got sort of the same face everybody's got sort of the same voice almost hmm. and uh and then he goes into the cab and the cab driver he's prattling on about a bunch of stuff and he sounds the same as uh. everybody else uh but finally this one voice out of the out of the whole thing comes out and he's like oh i i must know more about this person and like uh like uh it's funny because the the person that he meets is with another friend who apparently always gets the attention from men like like always and he's like some famous i don't know why he's famous for this but he's a famous public speaker Hmm. for something like that didn't seem like you should be famous for it you know whatever it didn't matter he's but people knew who he was when he wanted so he has this conversation with these two women and uh and the one who has the different voice is the one he's attracted to. And she's like, well, usually people really like my friend, more, you know, often, you know, more often than everything. He's like, and he's like, no, it's you, it's you and everything. And she is kind of like, I guess, plain looking or whatever. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's even a sex scene in this movie. Oh, like wow. it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's almost like team America in a way. <laughs> because it's not i don't i don't want to i don't want people hearing me and saying that oh well it's just like team america it's it's just that it's just unusual to see stop motion animated stuff and i watched i watched all the making of stuff after i watched this thing and everything and i'm like i can't believe the fucking work it took to have these two characters have sex (laughs) and they were talking about it they're like we're trying you know we we want this to and it's a very tender scene it's not like you Uh know it's not like trying to make you laugh but you still still kind of snicker a little bit um you know uh uh but you know the stuff that they did like they had to when they're pulling off his shirt, they had to make it realistic. They had to like do all sorts of stuff, like with hangers and wires and stuff like that to make it look realistic as it crumpled, uh, you know, and everything. And just like, just unimaginable amount of work. 
But if you want to see something just really different, just watch Anomalisa. Charlie mm-hmm. Kaufman obviously immediately says this is going to be a different experience. Yeah. Um, and I saw this hmm, probably three or four months ago, and I really, hmm. really enjoyed it. And um, I didn't think very many people had seen this. No, I think you're right. It's yeah. pretty far off radar. Yeah. But you make you made a good pitch because now I want to see it. Yeah. Not for the sex scene, though. No, no, no. I like the idea. There's something. I think that's a very simple romantic idea that that everyone sounds the same until the girl has a different voice. Like I love that. Mm-hmm. That's what you said that hooked me on watching that movie. Yeah, and everybody yeah. sort of, I mean, even women and men look all the same. And the, the funny thing about Tom Noonan in this is he was talking about that I was watching some of these making of things. And uh, and apparently this started off as a play or whatever that Charlie Kaufman wanted to do. And it was like not not some big thing. He just wanted to do a thing for a couple of days or whatever. Uh, and Charlie and Tom Noonan is like, why would you want me? My voice is so like monotone and like you can't really distinguish them, distinguish it from anybody else. And he's like, he must have had a big laugh out, out of that because <laughs> that's exactly why he wanted me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a really unusual movie and uh, I'd recommend it. And just to see how much work went into it, they they nearly ran out of money. Oh, yeah. Trying to make it and they didn't think they were going to be able to finish it and everything. Huh. But God, man, they did. They really did some freaking work. It's kind of like, you know, like Team America. They did a lot yeah, of work no on shit. that for really little return. <laughs> And uh, and it's always interesting to me. That's really a sort of labor of love type yeah. stuff. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> We've gone through all that. What about our underrated? Oh, I can't wait for this one. Underrated. <laughs> da, 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 da. Well, I somehow wrote Curious George here as well, so I'll have to go with my alternate answer. Um, the 80s animated Transformers movie. Interesting. I agree with you. Because, A, I do think it's good. Yes, and B, it's certainly the best Transformers movie we've ever seen. I agree. To date. Um, and if you've never watched it, I think it will give you more of a pure Transformers vibe than anything Michael Bay has done. Um, and uh, I remember as a kid, I watched the TV show, the Transformers TV show, all the time. I would r- literally run home from school to catch it. Um, and so when this movie came out, it was a pretty big deal because it, essentially is the same chronology of the show i was watching the characters are the same it's the same universe it's just now we're getting a bigger budget and there's some stuff in space Mm -hmm. and uh anyway i love it i think it's great i have watched it maybe not in the last five or six years uh i should pull it out again but i think i looked it up it's got like a 55 percent on rotten tomatoes which seems criminally low uh it's not a 95 but it ain't no 55 it's Uh, pretty dark it's dark for well, Optimus Prime dies. Yeah, uh, it's pretty dark for a kid. You know, yeah, yeah. when I saw it, it was a little darker than I was expecting. I think if I watched it today, I wouldn't find it quite as dark as I used to. Um, what was with the era back then, man? The eighties, like they, <laughs> really. When we grew up, we grew up with some fucked up <laughs> stuff. Sure it produces people like us. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and we turned out okay. Yeah, sure. I turned yeah. out TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Transformers the movie has uh, has some heavy hitting uh, voice talent. Yes, it Orson does. Orson Welles, Leonard Nimoy, Robert Stack. The last feature Orson Welles was ever in. Yeah. Casey Who? Kasem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Casey Kasem. Uh, but yeah, or- Orson Welles, uh, apparently, of course, this was his M.O. by this point did this for the paycheck yeah and was not too pleased that he was in this animated <laughs> fucking movie but you know who cares you got your money man um yeah man that that movie starts out with a 
spaceship devouring a planet of robots. Yeah. And before that, you see like the child robots playing around in a robot mall. <laughs> And like running around and they get fucking eaten by this fucking by the butthole of this like Death Star looking thing squeezed right up in that butthole and consumed for its own energy. It's fucked up, man. Uh, it is fucked up, but I like it. I think it's way better than its reputation. It's actually I think it was a, like a Japanese animation. In uh, many version ways. of it. Yeah. That that was kind of Americanized. And yeah. it's really, really cool. Good pick. Thank you. Yeah. I love this pick. So 1996, right when shit was starting to go really computer generated and all that stuff, Hunchback of Notre Dame came mm. out. Oh, so I'm disappointed in this pick. Notre Dame. <sighs> Notre Dame, yes. The yeah. bells of, of Notre Dame. Yeah. Hunchback of Notre Dame is that movie with the dude and the the Notre Dame firing Irish and all that. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's actually that's the subtitle. Of yeah, Rudy. that's right. Um, no, uh, th- I think this movie. I think this is a good pick because I think this is underrated. Mm-hmm. But I still think Hercules is better in this era i almost put hercules down but i looked it up it's got like seven out of ten average critic score it's like well i guess people kind of liked it i well, can't this call was it underrated the really weird era for disney because after lion king they really sort of tried to str- they were struggling to get that next big hit after lion king because it was pocahontas yeah hunchback of notre dame it was uh, tarzan it was uh, Mulan, Mulan, yeah. hercules hercules all those came out in that era and it was just it just uh, i mean over really i mean they all did okay mm-hmm. they weren't li- you know they were always comparing with no liking not many movies are like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well this doesn't have i mean the the reason that i like it so much is that yes they've got like a dashing lead p- played by kevin klein but the the main character is this hunchback and they God bless him. They try to make Quasimodo like adorable, and they do. Um, but he's, you know, a disfigured young man who's, you know, sentenced to to ring the bells of the church. And I guess audiences couldn't really get behind that, especially because they kind of turned it into a love story with him and the gypsy with Demi Moore and everything. But yeah, and it's got that song that's like super dark and sexual. <laughs> you talk about like, some dark. Might shit, as well have man. titled that song like church rape or something <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like super dark i yeah. remember even even if, as a college age person watching this movie i was super uncomfortable watching that song and and quasimodo's also got a little tarzan in him like doesn't he like swing around the church and on yeah ropes but i mean and, that's his thing yeah does he do got, that in the book i don't know i don't think he does <laughs> he t- well, there's also not a church rape song in the book <laughs> <laughs> but it's got man it's in the catacombs in the uh like the underground stuff it's got a lot of cool stuff it's like almost like a demolition man type of underground society uh but the 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 jester in that has this amazing voice uh forgetting who the the voice talent was but like these songs are really really great and completely atypical from what disney had done before i do agree with you it was a- atypical in many in tone um in the fact that the lead was disfigured and mm-hmm. not the handsome guy um and and yeah that may be a lot to do with why it didn't perform so well mm-hmm. or, or even why it got reviews that are worse than you think it deserves because no one was expecting that kind of a film from disney um <clears throat> but like i'm not gonna poo-poo your pick too much it's good i, I believe that film is underrated so yeah. I mean, it's it's seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but I think it should be. A Did I talk about this before? Is this the movie where the guy's in the cage and then th- through some kind of chase that's going by, he gets freed from the cage, but then 
yeah, gets trapped into in it. something else. Like, I can't remember the gag, but I remember it made me laugh a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> um, the one that I'm going to bring up is not a movie that I've seen, uh, I think, even more than once. I saw it in the theater and I haven't seen it since. But I remember the movie Hoodwinked being huh. better oh. than I, I ever imagined it would be. Ashton Kutcher? No, um, this is uh, Anne Hathaway plays basically Little Red Riding Hood. The little the it's a it's a take on the Little Red Riding Hood story, and instead of the granny being a victim, she's actually like this fucking extreme sports like <laughs> loving whatever. I never saw this movie. <laughs> whatever. So it starts off just like any other Little Red Riding Hood story, where she's going to to Granny's house and all this other type of stuff, but. Uh, in front of her she's poor old granny but like then later on you find out that she's like on behind the scenes she's you know she can ski and she can do all these extreme sports i remember this movie just being funny like it wasn't great by any means this was the weinstein company was coming out with an animated movie uh, and it came out in that horrible year of 2005. So, of course, uh, you saw it. I saw it. Yeah, it came out in January. But I remember watching it and going, huh, that wasn't great or anything. But I, I did kind of I kind of <laughs> liked it. I think they ended up coming out with a sequel to this because it did get sort of a following oh. and everything. But uh, yeah, 6.5 on the IMDb, that's probably about right, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it may not be underrated, but I imagine on Rotten Tomatoes, it's probably not, didn't get a very high rating. I haven't looked at the Rotten Tomato score, but it's 46% yeah. also has exhibit and Anthony Anderson. It does. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> you have, you have Anne Hathaway, you have Glenn Close playing the granny oh, and you really? have Patrick Warburton playing Wolf W. Wolf. <laughs> um, the takeoff of Winston Wolf. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So this is the only movie to co-star Glenn Close and exhibit, right? Uh, oh, probably for so. sure for sure yeah, well be. there was a, she was in that episode of pimp my ride <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she had like a corolla that was broken down she was like exhibit you gotta come over and pit my I ride i need a super nintendo but, in this thing <laughs> yeah it's it's almost like um i guess it's almost like a I, I don't know if you'd call it rashomon or whatever but it's these characters telling the police what happened in the story oh, oh. like an inside man thing yeah kind of like that <laughs> anyway that's that's a i would i would say there's not many movies that i've seen like underrated cartoons that you know like people haven't i mean people don't rate highly or whatever like i don't watch i don't watch animation like a lot by Mm. any stretch of the imagination like you know you're telling me that story of like you know popping in aladdin with your friends i don't think that would have ever happened in my friend circle you know that's not you know we wouldn't have been like hey put on aladdin we (laughs) we would have been more along like you know put in the simpsons or something like Uh, that whatever but um but yeah i'm i that was one that i was like "Eh, that's kind of surprisingly good especially in that year any honorable mentions uh shit no. Well, I had put on my best list, and I, I went to Aladdin, but uh, Inside Out, man. Inside Out's got to be considered as, as one of the best, mm-hmm. right? And this is really this is really marking the, the, the high watermark of Pixar, Disney Pixar, after that decline, right? Well, yeah, if they hadn't come out with Good Dinosaur right afterwards. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Inside Out is the best of this second wave era of Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. I'd, go, I'd go that far. I... I like the human stuff a lot more when it goes into her brain and the fuzzy elephant whatnot, and then uh, there are no, literally no rules. 
it's a it's a little loopy like the end of Wall E for me. Hmm. Um, but I did really like it. I have watched it multiple times. Um, I think that whole moment with Riley breaking down it just hits home for me so mm-hmm. much that it, 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 there's an emotional satisfaction for me to watch that film. Um, I don't know that I would put it on my best of all time list, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't kick you out of bed for shit. <laughs> Screw that one up. <laughs> I wouldn't hold it against you yeah. if your body held against mm-hmm. me. No, do do another one. <laughs> no, I think I'll stop. Jeremy's iron. <laughs> Jeremy's here's a ball. Perhaps you'd like to bounce it. <laughs> um. I I I I don't know. I mean, I think you can really sort of list a lot of Pixar stuff we haven't mentioned. Mm-hmm. We didn't really mention Toy Story, even though it sort of started the yeah. launched that whole computer animation deal. Um, uh, it was that a Bug's Life, and then DreamWorks came in later with Ants mm-hmm. and um, uh, all that. But uh, but Toy Story, I think, still holds up pretty well as far. I mean, the movie's twenty two years old. Yeah, it does, and it's and it's it's still quite a delight mm-hmm. um and the other two are great uh you know we've mentioned what we felt about those before those those are good they just mm-hmm. i mean really unnecessary ultimately uh but um but you know the uh, toy i think toy story out of that era that first beginning of it is definitely the class of that first you know six or seven years before they got into the incredibles and everything so yeah, you gotta bring it up Toy Story. Yeah. The other thing is when you look at the best animation lists uh from people, Ratatouille tops the list mm-hmm. a lot more than I expected. Well, that's I like good. That movie. I think that movie's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm happy to hear that. Uh when I flip past that, it's been playing on stars a lot. Yeah, lately. yeah. You know, I generally stop. And my wife always comes in, is that Ratatouille? Because she can recognize the music. <laughs> the music's so signature to that film. Uh-huh. Uh, I just love it, love it, love it, love it. Hey, we've talked about a lot of rat movies today. Mm-hmm. Should we <laughs> talk about true. any more rat movies? Uh, I don't know. Bible yeah. goes west. We can I talk like about Watership Down. Oh, yeah. that's another <laughs> dark, another dark adult yep. themed. There's definitely some fucking in there, right? Oh, total. It's about total. rabbits. There's got to be fucking oh, in that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if if that movie came out today, there would be a joke about how many kids yeah. they have because they're, there's so much fucking going on. <laughs> like Zootopia. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like Zootopia. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um, now, we we get some pretty good uh, messages through our SoundCloud and everything. Mm-hmm. And is this one through SoundCloud? This one came straight to email. This one went to our email. Yes. Okay, so we get so we get some good ones through our email and, we, and our SoundCloud and uh, a variety of places mm-hmm. and everything. Every once in a while, one comes in that we're like, you know what, we I, I think we need to read this one. Yeah. So how about we do that this time? Yeah. So this comes from a listener named George. Uh, really appreciate the uh, the message and just one of those things that we wanted to kind of get out there uh, to say thank you and to kind of uh, maybe if somebody is going through similar things, maybe this will, will help to uh, connect you guys. Uh, so to Chris, Jeremy, and Barrett, I understand people email you to thank you for what you have contributed to their lives and wish to do the same. I finally caught up with Sincast after the beginning of the journey of insane movie matchups, Bad Santas, and Cloacus. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. The way that is written, it's really strong. Okay. Uh, so, through the journey of insane movie matchups, Bad Santas, and Cloacus, it's actually Cloacy. Yes. So, But uh, you know what? It, today it's cloacus yeah in honor of george mm-hmm. yep that's right <laughs> it's cloacus it's the several, summer of george <laughs> <laughs> several months ago and i'm definitely a happier person because of it 
Uh, I'm obsessed with movies and will continue to be as I pursue my dream of being a film director, uh, but I've never had a friend or a group of friends through my life so far who have shared the love I had, and then I started listening to you three. These past couple years, specifically school-wise, haven't been easy as I've been trying to deal with being made fun of because I'm different, even by my close friends, and never really having people like me to talk to. And while I know people listen to Sincast at work and at school, and those things are rather unfun and boring, you three make it a highlight of my day, and I thank you so much for it. So please continue what you're doing. I facepalm at the way people t- take everything wrong with videos seriously and accuse you all of hating on movies, but a single episode of Sincast can prove them otherwise. I think I would agree with that. Um, this has been rather long, so I should cut it here. Thank you so much for the joyful and thoughtful podcast that is the Sincast. You change many people's lives for the better and should be very, very proud of it. Regards, George. Now, let me say something. I don't want to sound too proud of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we make jokes for the most part. <laughs> we talk movies. But I think there is something very real being said here that is worthwhile that I don't think about enough. And that is that some people can connect to us through the content we make, videos, podcasts, etc. And it helps them through difficult times. Hearing you read that letter reminded me of my own high school experiences. I think we all agreed an email last night. High school fucking sucks. (laughs) And it sucks that people who are different have a harder time getting through those years. And if we're able to provide any kind of assistance there, whether you view us as comrades because we we like film or Mm. we just make you laugh and you've had a bad day, that is a very meaningful thing for me to hear. That makes me feel really good. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, we do just make jokes, but... For some people, sometimes the, that can be what they need to get through a situation or a moment. And uh, really glad that you wrote that letter, George. Mm-hmm. And that I'm sorry you're going through that shit, but I'm glad that we can be here for you in some capacity. We got yeah. hours and hours of uh, podcasts, so you know, <laughs> plenty of content there. Although it sounds like you've already listened to all of them. It is. It is something that you know I never really think about a lot of times until somebody does this. You yeah, know, they say there, and you go. I don't really do this because I'm hoping someone out there like, you know, I don't know, has can I don't know, has some sort of kinship with us or mm-hmm. whatever. And like, I don't think about brightening somebody's day like this, you know, uh, but I, every time I hear something like that, I'm like, oh, wow, well, yeah. this is pretty amazing. It makes yeah. me feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, yeah, we do this for, for the entertainment value as much as we as we can and everything. But I never think of it in, in these type of lights, you mm-hmm. know, where it might like brighten somebody's day and that type of thing. So yeah, that's, that's like good it. to hear. That's yeah. awesome. Well, if you do want to communicate with us, the best way is SoundCloud. But feel free to, to email us or free, feel free to tweet us and things like that. And uh, yeah, we can't get to everybody, but uh, we really appreciate your feedback. Yeah. And some, you know, somebody's reading everything, comments or emails yep. or what, what have you. We can't always respond or read them on air or what have you, but we're always, somebody's always paying attention. Yes. So. All right, guys, we're here to talk about Nature Box again. Yeah, we are. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I do like it. I do like to talk about it. We do it. this every once in a while. Yes, we do. Because they're fantastic. They are pretty fantastic. Man, I got on there the other day, placed my order. It was so easy. You can link up with your Amazon account yeah, yeah, that's to what pay I for this. Yeah, it's it, it takes no time at all. Like it was done in 30 seconds. I selected my snacks. I spent a lot of time on the snacks to, to figure out what sure. I wanted. 
And of course, like I overdid it. Like I got a lot of snacks, yeah. but it'll last you for a while. Mm-hmm. And I got some for the wife, got some for the kid, got some for me. And click, click, boom. That's it. <laughs> 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 Boom, chakalaka. <laughs> click, click, boom. <laughs> that suddenly turned into like a stadium. Ball with the ball. Yes. <laughs> but it's all terrifically easy. You get awesome snacks, very healthy, and all that stuff. Click, click, boom. Click, click, boom, baby. Well, so the segregation in my household continues on the Nature Box snacks. <laughs> my wife and I continue to diverge further and further. We still have the same core. Right. So now basically there's a shelf in our pantry for Jeremy's nature box. There's a shelf for my wife's nature box. And then there's a shelf for shared. Oh, and I accidentally (laughs) took a snap from the shared shelf, put some in a bowl and put it back on the Jeremy shelf. Uh Not on purpose, but I heard about it. (laughs) My wife said, hey, this snack has migrated to the Jeremy only shelf. What's up with that? Well, it's a bowl, though. Yeah. Well, you know, it's shared. It's Mm -hmm. all shared. Well, anyway, what, what, what would you say is in your shared in the shared, uh, the hickory smoked turkey jerky we both like, uh, the lentil loops we both like, uh, the roasted almonds or well, the roasted cashews we both like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sure if they have roasted almonds, those are awesome. Uh, and then, you know, the wife centric shelf is all the dried fruit stuff and then anything spicy like the sriracha doodads and the whippets. Um, whereas my shelf then is all the salty Jeremy stuff, the sourdough cheddar pretzels, the Sourdough cheddar pretzels, the sourdough cheddar pretzels. <laughs> Usually get about three bags of those now at this point. Um, again, I've said it before, that stuff is crack. Kind of impossible to put down. I really can't. Mm. And and that's the thing is I, I try and portion it. I put like a handful in a bowl and then I'm, I'm right back in that pantry unzipping that thing and put more in the bowl. It's pointless. <laughs> Isn't that resist. both the worst and best things about snacks? Sometimes? Oh, yeah. You go over and you're like. I will only have this amount, and I'm going to be an adult about this. <laughs> <laughs> and so you 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 get it, and you put it in your bowl or whatever, and you got a you got a nice drink, a yeah. nice beverage with nice it. Drink, <laughs> nice drink. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, and you and you're sitting there, you eat them and everything. And you're like, well, it wouldn't hurt to put like. I don't know, four more in here. <laughs> you know? And then you go and you sneak those and then like, oh, okay, oh, okay six, 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 seven six more. Is good. Seven more. <laughs> it is really nice to me because, you know, I'm a hunter gatherer kind of shopper, right? Like I'm back when I worked for Kroger, I remember them telling us the average shopper buys five items. You know, I'm used to thinking people are going in there with full carts of 200 items and checking out, but the average person is buying five items hmm. that's me i'll go to the store when i need some snacks i'll grab some snacks and put i don't have to do that anymore yeah now when i'm in the store i see all those nasty greasy potato chips and other things i'm like i've got snacks yeah. at home on three different shelves that are healthy and good for me and tasty <laughs> and so there's less that i have to even think about when it comes to making sure i have something nearby whenever i do get that hankering for a snack mm-hmm. and, and you can be in the same boat we are. That's right. Just like some of our fans on Twitter have been sharing the last few days, their mm-hmm. pictures of the peanut butter grand jam and the other various delights. You can go to naturebox.com slash syncast. Yep. And you can get three free snacks in your first order. All you have to do is put the promo code SINS. And listen, when you go through that URL, when you go through the slash naturebox.com slash syncast, it puts it in for you. It, it does the promo code for you. That's pretty right. It imports it. You don't have to type out that S-I-N-S. It's like it knows. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Also, exactly. look at all that labor we're saving you. I know, man. Four keystrokes that we just saved you. I think at this point, we can be just like Sandra Bullock in the net. 
and we don't ever have to leave the house no. to get the things that we need. You know, I just watched this movie called The Net, starring that girl from the bus. <laughs> the bus. <laughs> I was just about to quote that. Um, uh, the computer. You know where, where nobody in the nobody, none of her neighbors had knew even what she looked like. Yeah. that's how bad it was. Yeah. Don't get that bad. No, JD don't Challenger. get that bad. Go outside at least, at least a few times. Yeah, at he, least at least so that your neighbors can recognize you. Yeah, in, hey guys, in, in case in case some horrible hacking happens, <laughs> <laughs> some horrible nineteen ninety seven hacking or whatever the hell. Um, anyway. Hello, do you want to buy a computer? No, thank you. <laughs> Anyway, no, uh, it's it's good stuff, and we wouldn't uh, steer you wrong. Yeah, so again, uh, naturebox.com slash syncast. Three free snacks in your first order. We love it. We wouldn't keep talking about it if we didn't. We think you'll love it, too. All right, so we're going on to some Q&A? Oh, yeah. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I'm listening. We got some good ones, man. All right. We got some good questions. Let's cue it. Uh, my favorite one here. Okay. <laughs> this one got my noodle bacon. What is the biggest off-screen moment you wish you had seen? And I love this example. This listener's biggest example is the robbery in Reservoir Dogs. You see a couple of shots of the escape, but all they do is talk about the robbery, um, which is a great example. Mm -hmm. um, it, the alternate example of them showing this is Rogue One uh, showed all the collection of the plans and everything. Now, I will say this. This is a great question. Mm -hmm. However, these movies need to be this way oh yeah i agree and and, and we're, not, we're not saying that we want the movie to be this we just want to see yeah. we want to see what they're talking about uh -huh. basically is what it comes down to yeah uh so for me it is all the stuff that happens leading up to the beginning of the hangover <laughs> I'm gonna fuck this tiger right here. Yes. So by so by the end of it, we see a lot of pictures and stuff like that of all this type of stuff. And yeah, they get a little bit of the footage of the you know I'm gonna fuck this tiger and all that type of stuff. But uh, there's no explanation for the chicken. Mm -hmm. uh all the bullshit that's in there all in the in the hotel room i don't even know even though they said they i mean they i guess they well i guess they put the tiger in their in their car or whatever i'm still i'm still trying to figure out how they led that thing through the casino or whatever and then got <laughs> to the bathroom through the bathroom and then that and then he was unable to get out of the bathroom somehow and whatever there's a lot of unanswered questions but now of course it needs that for its comic tension and everything mm -hmm. to, to not tell you so you know, it's funny that the chicken's there because exactly what kind of scenario gets the chicken in there and what scenario has all this good, you know, all this stuff that's in there. Uh, so, yeah, I want to see that. That's nice. good. Nice. That's good I like pick. that. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, something I've talked about before and no country for old men. Mm. We jump completely over the motel shootout that ends with Llewellyn dying. Uh, we cut to Tommy Lee Jones pulling up as the I think they're Mexican gunmen go flying out of the parking lot and disappear. And he pulls in and finds Llewellyn dead in this crime scene. Uh, now, there are a few reasons I would like to see that attack. And one is that the movie shows us so many great moments of tense action hmm. that I think we could have another one there. Mm -hmm. But more than that, and I, don't, I can't decide if this is selfish or not, I want to see the moment Llewellyn realizes he's done. Mm -hmm. Because... 
he's almost stupidly cocky the whole movie, <laughs> thinking that he can get away. Like people repeatedly try to warn him. You know, Woody Harrelson's like, you're, you're out of your element here. And, and he just, he, he keeps going. But at some point before he died and lost breath, he realized, oh, I'm fucked. And I would like to have seen that moment because I bet Brolin would have played the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been really cool. Yeah. So, there you go. I understand why the movie jumps over that moment. but the, uh, Yeah, exactly. It's funny, uh, as an aside, uh, I had always wondered why when tommy lee jones shows up to the the motel and he and he opens up the door the broken lock and everything uh and uh and you you see anton chigurh sort of like hiding out yeah. or whatever i always wondered about that scene like why why is it that he walks in and nothing happens and somebody wrote a comment because i saw this on a because we were doing the outtakes for uh, Logan and there was we had the one for No yeah. Country for All Men. Um uh there was a comment that I found really insightful. I never thought about this before, but uh, you know how Llewellyn uses both of the rooms basically right. and that he's actually in the other room. Yeah, sugar. Okay, so do you guys knew that? No, but that was my assumption. But I have always been troubled by the movie cutting to him the way it does mm-hmm. without then cutting to something to give us location because right. it implies he's in that room. Mm-hmm. But Tommy Lee goes on, turns on the lights yeah. Yeah. and yeah. sees the bolts down by the vent. And I mm-hmm. think that's the clue that Sugar came in here and undid these bolts and he might be in the next room. And over. basically yeah. it's 50-50, right? Like if you yeah. had chosen the other room, yeah. <laughs> which is... And, yeah, and maybe that's doing. what maybe that's what gets him on that track of of okay I I really do need to retire yeah, and yeah. everything because really that was a 50-50 proposition and I want it and, yeah. and I'm going <laughs> to get out while you're in I had never thought about that. I thought that that's the one of the, that's probably the most insightful YouTube comment I have ever seen yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen insightful YouTube comments on Facebook? No, probably not. Yeah, there's there's probably some funny ones here and there, but no, that was you know what? That's good. That's good thinking there, because I mean, I've seen the movie a couple of times. I've never like really studied that scene. Mm -hmm. I've always just wondered why is it like this? And you're right, they don't they don't point it out, but it feels like they should at least show you a little bit of a hint, more of a hint than the other room has also got a broken lock which is what the guy in the comment said you can if you look closely you see that the other the room next door has a broken lock too oh wow but i i never noticed that mm-hmm. and if they could have like said you know like did they could have done something where he walks in he turns on the light and then camera just kind of moves over and then reveals that he's in the other room i think that's just as good it's not you're not stepping on anything mm-hmm. by doing that anyway no, I, I, those are all good thoughts. I like them. Yeah. I've got a questionable movie. It's mm-hmm. not very great, but I would like to see the scene. So in Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you've got when Anakin Skywalker finally gives over to the dark side, when Mace Windu is fighting Palpatine, and that's really where shit goes sideways. Mm-hmm. He throws Mace out the window. After that, Anakin goes on this murderous spree. Yep. And it's only kind of like hinted at yeah it's talked about we're seeing it's seen in holograms 
Yeah. yeah. So there's the the only time is where like he looks like he's got like the sweats or something like that. Like he's got an illness and then he comes up as he's about to kill the younglings yeah. in the temple. And they come out and they're like, oh, thank you, Anakin. At least we can come out. And he's like, oh, I'm going to, you know. Please. They're too many. <laughs> they're too many. <laughs> and, uh, and so, okay, not that I want to see him slaughtering the young kids. Oh, I do. <laughs> Chris does. <laughs> that, 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 kid, that kid that steps back when, this, when the lightsaber comes down, <laughs> I wanted to see him split in half, man. But if there's one thing that the prequels did have, it was that Lucas could stage action pieces mm-hmm. from the fight with uh, Darth Maul at the beginning to the first Count Dooku to the, um, to the Yoda fights and all that stuff. And so you get this hologram footage that lasts maybe three seconds uh, from Obi-Wan looking at it of... Anakin fighting a tremendous amount of Jedi Mm -hmm. where like he's in there like battling them from all sides and we see just a little snippet of it. I would love to see that whole thing. And this is a case where the movie would have been way better by showing it. Like, yes, we don't need to see the kids die except for me. I just want (laughs) to see (laughs) while you jerk off, obviously right in the front row. (laughs) You have a daughter. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> That's right. Daughter that I keep in the closet. Um, chained in the closet. Um, no, this is definitely you know, better. This is something that would be way better. But and, and, and really, it was just an excuse for... I don't know. Why do you keep that shrouded in mystery? Like, you know, no, normally, uh, when you don't see something, it's it has a, a plot purpose, a story, narrative purpose that... Uh, that they didn't show it because it's more interesting to see the characters, you know, I don't know, react to it or something like that. But in this case, they should have shown it because we don't really get to see him descending into darkness and it's like a switch yes that's it is flipped. yeah and uh and and it would have been nice to see him finally just cross that line we know he does mm-hmm. but it would have been nice to actually see it happening she doesn't have to show her tits she shows them to him <laughs> we see him reacting to it. <laughs> that's correct we just somehow connected state and main <laughs> Go, you huskies. <laughs> and Revenge of the Sith. Nice. Somehow. <laughs> Hi, guys. I have a question about subtitles in foreign movies. I come from Austria. Hello. Hello. And uh, whatever they say in Austria. They say know. hello. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think they yodel. Everyone yodels in Austria. <laughs> they do. They do. So they would say, yodelo. <laughs> I am being such a racist right now. Uh, they're, they're, they're all white people. It's not racist. <laughs> they all communicate through you. <laughs> I actually have a friend that took his uh, honeymoon in Austria. Uh-huh. When he told me, I was like, fucking Austria? W- why? What's there? It's gorgeous. Yeah. Like, it's like yeah. Switzerland, only different. No, I've, I've heard it's awesome. Yeah, I've heard it's great. Yeah. Sorry, Austria. I was just having fun. Yeah. We're just Taking a fun. piss. Taking a piss. <laughs> so nearly all foreign movies and shows are translated into German and dubbed for cinema or TV. And I think probably most Central European countries are doing this. For us, this is pretty normal, and I don't think the movies lose anything by it. What do you guys think about this? Do you think that movies are only good in their original language? Should everyone always be reading subtitles? I'm fascinated by this because I do think if I grew up and every movie I ever watched had a different voice than the guy I'm seeing on screen, I could probably get to a place where it wouldn't bother me very much. Mm Mm-hmm. But as I am now today, it's distracting as all hell to me when they dub somebody else's voice in. Absolutely. Because it doesn't match. Um, 
I'm also used to the sound of a lot of these actors' voices, <clears throat> so it matches even less uh, yeah. when it's uh, some different tenor of voice. Um, but, you know, I don't have the experience this guy has of, of having seen it a bunch. Maybe that's why it's so jarring to me today. But I, I, I would rather watch subtitles and hear the original voice. I can't stand watching like that overdubbed the Raid 2 that they played on Stars for a while. is trash. Oh, yeah. I did see that. That it was, was just awful. like, oh, I had, to, I had to go like online and or pop in the DVD or something and just watch the proper version. <laughs> got, because the one they were playing was garbage for a while. You've got several things going on with a dub. You have an actor who really isn't like the actor that's on screen mm -hmm. so their voice doesn't seem to match coming out of that person's face basically uh they don't they may not even really know the story or that they're they're yeah you know i mean I, maybe they do maybe maybe dub actors are way more into it than you <laughs> think they are or whatever but like i feel like they're just trying to match the emotion a lot of times and of course it comes off very weird when it does that Sort of a case in point, uh, recently, when Barrett and I watched Ghost in the Shell, mm -hmm. I started watching that, and the 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 automatic version is English dubs. Mm -hmm. oh. And so I was sitting there watching it, and I was actually had English subtitles underneath it, and nothing was matching, so that was really crazy <laughs> to me. Like they would say something and like whole entire sentences would be there, and they wouldn't they wouldn't say those sentences. <laughs> Uh, but all those English uh, language voices just w sounded very strange and stale. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hey, th that's District 9 over there. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> hey, you know, um, you know, the, 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 the voices just don't match. And so when you go and, and, and watch that movie in the actual Japanese, you know, you hear everybody talking. You know, yeah. it's Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope those were real words. <laughs> I know they weren't, but I hope no, they, they weren't. Were. But I, 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 <laughs> I hope you just accidentally said cucumber butter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I probably did. I probably, I probably said much worse. It but when delicious. you hear the actual like Japanese, like when they're really just like getting into it yeah, and everything, yeah. oh, it's the best. Yeah. And you, and I don't mind reading it. You know, I mean, yeah, sure. Ghost in the Shell is a very visual mm -hmm. type of thing, so you do kind of want to not be distracted. But eh, after a after no, a while. You you're good it. and the yeah. japanese is way better yeah so and i mean with the movie like ghost in the shell obviously this is the the 90s version it's so it takes its time so much that you don't have to be beholden to the subtitles because it'll be quiet for a while and have those beautiful like set pieces and everything but i think the consensus is that um dubs are weird um unless you unless you're used to it have i told the Ed Helms' vacation movie story about the translating GPS. No. He's trying to punch in GPS to get to his wife's old university, and he accidentally changes the language to oh, something yeah, else, yeah, yeah. and it's like in French or Portuguese. He's like, oh, let me try and change it back, and it changes to another language. And then the third change, the screen goes red, and it's just like, and it's like, he's like, I think that's Korean. And his son's like, why is he so much angrier than the other voices? It's like, I can't figure out. Everything's in Korean. I can't turn it off. And so this guy's just shouting at him. And then he goes, let's wait and see if he calms down. And there's like a five second pause. And then funny gag. Anyway, I, I probably should stop talking about that movie because I, I, I am I sure at this point more people are going to watch it and dislike it on my recommendation than the other way around. But. Well, you have brought it up in the light of 
that it is something that hit you just right. Yeah. Like it has to. You can't just that's the problem with the recommend, ironically, yeah. is that you can't just tell people this is great because yeah. people now expect it to be great. Yeah, yeah. And and you don't see it the same way you do. I watched it with these same circumstances, by the way, and I'm like, yeah, I think this is a desperate fucking comedy. Um, <laughs> you so you didn't enjoy it? No, I think that car is the funniest part of the movie, probably. <laughs> um but just never bring it up again <laughs> no no i mean really honestly it, i i don't i don't think anybody should harbor any ill will or whatever that you like this movie i mean that's stu- that's stupid yeah uh I, I mean there's a lot of everybody in this room and everybody listening to this podcast right now likes movies that other people don't mm-hmm. so it's whatever i watched it uh, of course with now of an expectation maybe not a great expectation that it was going to be hilarious but maybe an expectation that it would be funnier than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And, and for the first 20 minutes, I was like, man, this is so desperately looking for the laugh. And I, and there's some parts in there that I did like and everything, but man, when they, I was surprised that you did like this movie because it is so fucking gross. It is pretty gross. I mean, I, I was, I was, I was a little surprised by that. Cause there's a lot of gross stuff in it. Did anyway. you think Chris Hemsworth was funny? Yes, Crimson. Now, Chris Hemsworth is funny. He's okay. in it for like five minutes yeah. or whatever. Well, and then and at the, the whole, very end, the whole thing. Yeah, the, yeah, very, very memorably at the end. But like uh, the whole thing with you know his his basically the imprint of his cock in the uh, in his underwear as he goes into their bedroom and everything. He's he's he's, he's all he is is he got no shirt on. He's got underwear and his you know there's like an imprint. He's got like, like a Mark it, Wahlberg. It looks like it looks like you know like uh, like archaeologists stumbled on a fossil find or something like that. And he it's keeps propping his leg. And he keeps propping his leg up and everything. Just want to make sure you guys had everything. He's you like need. you know this is and he keeps and he keeps saying stuff that has a double meaning like you know like uh uh it's the perfect fit and everything <laughs> and then ed helms has the great line later yeah. he just came in here to show off his six-pack <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah I, I i might start amending how i talk about that movie <laughs> to say it's not good but i love it yeah. i might throw it in that demolition man pile there you go mm-hmm. um but anyway, I'll, I'll probably stop bringing it up on the podcast. <laughs> you can bring that it up you want. Translation story seemed apt, though, for the discussion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. If you could team up any specific writer, director, and composer together for a movie, who would they be? Mm, okay. So uh, first off, I'm going to get Alex Garland, the writer, even though Ooh. I believe that as a director, he would be just as good a choice on this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to get Alex Garland, the writer, because he has written a lot of very interesting original things. Uh-huh. Sunshine, 28 Days Later, and uh, obviously Ex Machina and all that. So he's and he's worked with Danny Boyle quite a bit. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so it would it, I mean, Alex Garland and Danny Boyle was a was a decent matchup, but I think he would work better with Christopher Nolan. Ooh. oh man nice and uh i think you if you wanted to make something high concept high budget mm-hmm. like amazing type of movie you get alex garland the writer to go with christopher nolan now christopher nolan can probably do that himself too uh or his brother johnny yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. jonathan nolan yeah uh you can get uh you can i mean those guys are talented enough that they don't need one another but just imagine yeah now a lot of times that type of thing doesn't work like that you know a long time ago there was a movie called uh, crime wave with the coen brothers and sam raimi together and you thought 
if you when you look at that you're like oh that's gonna be amazing and then you watch it and you're like is it is it bad oh it's a shitty movie oh, i haven't seen it. what's it called crime wave I'll, i'm trying i think sam raimi directed it and the coen brothers wrote it interesting it sounds like a sleazy skinamax movie <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> crime uh, wave yeah it was sam raimi directed it and uh ethan and joel cohen wrote it with sam raimi uh so a lot of times that doesn't work <laughs> that's but crazy that could have been one of our picks yeah, yeah could have been um but uh so yeah you have that and then no one often works with hans zimmer i'm gonna put hans zimmer anyway mm-hmm. i mean that's a it's a, a match made in it. hans Z- zimmer with christopher nolan that's his best work yeah uh, although I guess it's uh, you can argue that this Wonder Woman and uh, you know DC stuff that Hans Zimmer's doing is actually some of his best work, even though the movies themselves. Man, are- I love the Man of Steel theme, mm-hmm. um, and even yeah. when I hear it creep in on Batman vs Superman, I'm like, that's a good theme. Mm-hmm. That's a really good theme. So that's a good pick. Yeah, yeah he's awesome. I'm gonna go with uh, Aaron Sorkin because. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the first writer I would choose for any project I'm dreamcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to put my boy Ben Affleck in there as a director. Mm-hmm. That could totally work. I think it could, uh, because Affleck hasn't directed any films that are as verbal as a Sorkin script would be, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, but Sorkin can do a lot more than just be verbal and give you walk and talks. Uh, like, you know, there's a lot of great tension in A Few Good Men. It has nothing to do with the fact that there's verbal sparring going on. Um, so I want to see them do some kind of an action thriller, mm-hmm. uh, where Affleck can star and direct if he wants. I don't really care. And then I'm going to bring in Sorkin's pal from Social Network, Trent Reznor, to do the score, mm-hmm. just because I I really just don't want to talk about Michael Giacchino every single podcast. <laughs> He's my favorite composer. If you're ever going to ask me a question that includes picking a composer, I'm going to choose Michael Giacchino. <laughs> but just to mix it up, uh, I think what he did with the Social Network and, and the way that a lot of it was more ambient than musical, yep. um, I think would, would add an interesting mix. And so that would be my pick. That's a good one. Man, I would totally watch the mm-hmm. shit out of that. Mm-hmm. I would watch the shit out of both of these movies so far. Mm-hmm. All right. So mine's going to be, I'm going to, I'll read it verbatim. I'd like to see a Curtis Hansen movie set in Nashville about a psychotic school teacher <laughs> with David Mamet writing and the score comprised of original songs by Chris Stapleton and Dolly Parton. Boom. <laughs> quick, Psych- quick, boom. A psychotic what? School teacher. teacher. That's the everything about your pitch is normal except in the middle there's a psychotic school teacher. Like how the fuck I literally wrote to Barrett back in my notes. How the fuck did you come up with that? Where that where the hell did that come from? <laughs> Just came to me. Oh god. Now, All right. Unfortunately Curtis Hansen's no longer with us, but that would be Shit. Uh, yeah, that would well, be uh, I, I mean, he that's uh, that fits his sensibility yes. for sure. Yeah, I was thinking more in the in the vein of Eight Mile than in the vein. of mm-hmm. Here's what we need to do: mm-hmm. we need to get Rachel Vice because she's she can put on the bracelet <laughs> and then mm-hmm. connect to the spirit of Curtis Hansen uh-huh. and beyond. Mm-hmm. And then Rachel Vice can direct. I it. think we just wrote a movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a very shitty movie. <laughs> Production starts tomorrow. Right, I go. hear. Right. We got a hit. Pro- production starts tomorrow, probably. Probably. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes and Dracula are the two most depicted characters in film. Now, this has made it as, as a declarative statement. I haven't checked it, but I wonder if that's true. I guess that's probably true. Could be. Um, I know that Abraham Lincoln is up there, too. Mm-hmm. So is Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Interesting. 
Um, so anyway, they're the two most de- depicted characters in film. Who are your favorite actors to take on these roles? And who would you cast if you had complete control? Well, I, you know, Sherlock Holmes, uh, I haven't watched a ton of different versions of Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. or anything. So I've missed the Ian McKellen one. Um, I missed. Oh, is it Mr. Holmes? The one that came out recently. Uh, and, and I haven't seen like the 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 offshoot like Elementary that's got Johnny Lee Miller in it. That's that actually lot, pretty good. A lot yeah. of people say they love that show. Yeah. So I haven't seen any of the offshoot stuff. Uh, I've seen a couple of different film versions. So you have Robert Downey Jr. I've seen. He's okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've seen the old House Hound of the Baskervilles, which has Basil Rathbone playing yeah. Sherlock Holmes. And of course, they're all they're all good in their way. I mean. The one, the one that's just the most fun to watch is Benedict Cumberbatch. He's so yeah. great. He's so awesome. Yeah, and and so I, I hate to be the that just to say that same thing that every other fucking person in the world's gonna say, but he's really the best one that I've seen that has that mix of humor. Yeah, and you know, and some more of an enigma than any any of the Sherlock Holmes that we've seen. He's less. Uh, yeah, he's less. I don't know. He's less stodgy, I mm. guess. Um, he's more acerbic. And it, I mean, it actually is a compliment, even more of a compliment to him because of all his history on this character that he can make it completely his own. I mean, I, I think anybody under 40 or around 40 would probably point to him as like the definitive one. Maybe some people, Robert Downey Jr., but mm-hmm. um, I think he, he's really elevated that character and so is martin freeman and his watson too yeah and i mean yeah there's plenty of others out there that i mean i just i can't remember them as mm-hmm. well as the others like there, you remember the young sherlock holmes i too? love the young <laughs> sherlock holmes you know all that i mean that that's that was that was a thing back in the day yep. but I, I didn't watch it very often mm-hmm. or whatever so um as far as uh dracula it is kind of hard to beat bella lugosi yeah and Gary Oldman. Both of them have different takes on that character and everything. And I'm sorry for a lot of you film nerds out there, but I haven't seen any of the Christopher Lee Hammer films where oh, he, yeah. was, he played Dracula. Um, but uh, I, it's, it's kind of hard to beat uh, Bela Lugosi, mm-hmm. who, sort of, who sort of started it all and everything. So as far as who I would cast in these roles... I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do the the switcheroo here and put Idris Elba as Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I, like I think that. he could I think he could do it. Now, Idris Elba is sort of a I, one thing that grates me about coming up with Idris Elba is that every time we try to come up with a different race for a character or whatever, he is always the guy that we go to. <laughs> But he's so good. That's the reason why, yeah. and everything. And I think he would be a, a brilliant Sherlock Holmes, and uh, and it, it does keep it, you know, British and everything. Yeah, keep it British. Uh, <laughs> keep it British. That's right. Stay uh, calm and keep it British. That's right. Uh, so I think he would be awesome. And as Dracula, I'm going to go with Christoph Waltz. Oh, oh, that's great. That's a good pick. Christoph Waltz would be able to pull that shit off. Yeah, he would fuck some shit up. Yeah, right he there. would <laughs> fuck some shit up. <laughs> 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 I'd like to see a German. 
Dracula. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you Close know, to I was sitting there think, going through all these actors, and a lot of the ones that you like, a lot of popular actors that you could come up with just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. You you had like you know, sitting there thinking well, George Clooney, well, like you yeah. made George Clooney Dracula, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to stop laughing. No, the whole wouldn't. thing. Tom Hanks, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, none of that makes any any sense. <laughs> Christoph Waltz has that same has that you know that manner about him that he could pull off mm-hmm. Dracula very well. I like that. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch the crap out of this movie called Without a Clue. And ah. it was uh, one of the first, like, subversive takes on the Sherlock Holmes uh, saga and myth. And the conceit of it, it was Ben Kingsley as, as Dr. Watson, and it was Michael Caine as Sir Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, the conceit was that Dr. Watson actually came up with Sherlock Holmes as a cover for himself. Ooh. Um, he was the guy, this brilliant guy solving all these crimes and the hyperperception and stuff like that. And... He was writing this stuff for for a, uh, a a paper, and so when they get when he got called to actually uh, solve a real life crime, he had to come up with a real life Holmes, and so he found this actor, uh, somebody Kincaid, who was Michael Caine, and he said, "I need you to play Sherlock Holmes. I'm going to solve this this crime for you." And so it goes into all these. It's a comedy. It's hilarious. Um, but Michael Caine as the titular Holmes is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And Ben Kingsley's hilarious as as Watson, too, as being this guy behind the scenes that cannot get recognition. He eventually says, no, I'm Holmes. No, I'm, I'm doing all this shit. And nobody believes me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. That's my favorite depiction of, of Holmes outside of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And then with Dracula... Chris mentioned it before, Gary Oldman. It's a silly movie. This oh, yeah. this Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was um, Francis Ford Coppola did it with Nona Ryder and Canoe. And uh, Gary Oldman is very good in this, though. He's 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 magnetic and he's scary. He does this thing where he's like, "I am Dracula." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's ornate and everything. He's really really great. Um, so the people that I would cast uh, just. Really, for for laughs, um, I think Jesse Eisenberg would be a good Sherlock Holmes. Mm, interesting, um, witty, sharp, fast. Yeah, um, almost Cocky. insular. I don't mean to be like you know on the autistic side of things, but like very very hyper focused on on details. You could see that sort of character, um, and I think he'd be good. Uh, I don't know who would play Watson, but uh, for Dracula, I'd love to see Danny Trejo try to play Dracula. Jesus. Nice. <laughs> what does it say that it's gotten to a point where if I'm flipping on my channels and Danny Trejo is one of the top built names on a movie, I'll just keep going. He made that badasses on the bayou and yeah. uh, machete kills. Right. And it just it made a lot of choices lately that I don't really want to go into his world. I like him as a bit player in the Tarantino hey, world. Yeah, that's the thing, right? You know, uh, some some actors are better to be that you know oh i'm glad he's in here for five minutes so you know that type of yeah to have a whole movie around him that's a whole different subsection of of a movie fan right there we could do a dracula directed by robert rodriguez yeah. starring danny Trejo. yeah he could be the mexican dracula stop giving him ideas man I well, you know, tomorrow, I mean, it essentially me. from dust till, till dawn he was he was a vampire in that what was he a vampire in- he was, was yeah he? 
Mm-hmm. Trying to remember what he He was what, the bartender. He was the bartender. Yeah, because he's like, whiskey. And he looks at him, pours a, a, a shot of whiskey, knocks it back. He's like, you, go that away. Yeah, okay. You're not welcome here. I was. I, I think I was getting that in uh, Desperado uh, confused. Oh, yeah. I think in Desperado he plays. He's definitely a vampire in Desperado. In, in Desperado, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have Where you done both? Yep. All right. Well, I was not prepared for the first half of this question because I misunderstood it. So I'm going to go with a couple of silly answers. All right. Who played Dracula in Dracula Dead and Loving It? Leslie Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen. I'll go with him. (laughs) He's my favorite Dracula. Um, On my favorite um, Holmes, I'm going to totally cheat and say Data from Star Trek The Next Generation on the episode Ship in a Bottle, Mm. where he he goes into the holodeck with Jordy because he he dressed up like Sherlock Holmes and he's going to play Sherlock Holmes. And he's going up against Moriarty, mm-hmm. the nemesis of Sherlock Holmes. Only in the episode, Moriarty sees somebody exit through the holodeck door, and then the door disappears and starts to realize he's in a fictional reality. It eventually takes over control of the entire ship and huh. wants to be set free from the holodeck to go live a life because he's become sentient, basically. Uh, and the way they end up solving that is they, they let him out, him and his girlfriend from the holodeck, into the universe, but they tricked him, and he just walked into another holodeck where they had set up a whole universe for him to think he was escaped. Huh. And he went to live a happy life. And Sherlock Holmes is barely even part of that story. It's just Data's dressed like him and pretending to be him for a while. So I really should do better reading when I prepare for these. Uh, but I got stuff for the next. All right. So all right. my fantasy casting, I want to I want to cast Dominic West from The Wire and oh. uh, that adultery show on. <laughs> Showtime, Sle- the sleep- affair, the affair. Um, and now he's- <laughs> they should change it I to like, that I, adultery show. I love how every movie and TV show with adultery in it becomes an adultery movie. Or like the English Patient becomes that adultery movie, which is a Madison County. <laughs> okay, so Dominic West, fantastic actor. Yeah, this will let him slip back into his natural English accent as Sherlock Holmes. And then just for a sake of reunion, I want to bring Wendell Pierce over from The Wire. Nice. play Buck to play his Watson. And nice. he'll, that actor will probably have to work on his English accent. <laughs> um, by the way, did you know that he's an author? Uh-uh. I, I was flipping through. I was When we were in the airport, I was looking for a book. We were in the bookstore, and I saw such and such by Wendell Pierce. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wendell Pierce, the actor? Flipped it up, looked through it. He's an author. He's written several books. Huh. I had no idea. Hmm. Uh, for Dracula, I went a little younger, uh, and I would like to see what Ben Foster could do with the role. Because yeah. Oh, that's good. Ben Foster has proven to me he can do terrifying. Absolutely. And you set him in an you know, iconic character like that. Um, I think he could kick some bat ass. Wait a mm-hmm. minute. Vampires are friends with bats. <laughs> he kicks some Van Helsing ass. The royal we, man. The editorial. <laughs> All right. If you and I did not write this question, by the way, if you were given the chance to direct a music video, what artist or band would you choose to work with? And what style of song would you choose for them to perform? Mm? All right. I, I, uh, I'm going to go with Taylor Swift. Nice. Whoa. Nice. Now I'm going to tell you why Taylor Swift. Uh huh. You may hate Taylor Swift. Uh-huh. Every a lot of people listening to this may hate her. Uh huh. I don't know if I blame you on that. I love Taylor Swift. By yeah, the me way. too. Me too. Um, but uh, I can s- totally see why you would hate her. Anyway, one thing you cannot deny is that she is game for just about anything. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, she, you know, I mean, she'll, she'll do that commercial where she's, you know, running on the treadmill and, and, you know, the treadmill throws her off yeah. and, uh, all of her music videos, especially stuff like bad blood is all like real fun type stuff. I feel like I could go and, and, and give her this like crazy idea and she'd be like hell yeah let's do that shit and that's who i want to work with somebody yeah. who says hell yeah let's do that shit and as long as she can dramatically look at the camera during that music video that's correct that's and i am totally team taylor in this katie perry taylor Swift oh yeah feud. me too Ta katie perry just won't shut up about it i didn't yeah. know i didn't know there was a feud like five years ago taylor gave an interview where she was she talked about she thought this other singer in the industry who was very popular liked her, but she could never tell. And then that she never named her. Um, and then that singer tried to steal a lot of her backup dancers for her tour mm. and apparently did mm. never named Katy Perry. But it was basically just decided by everybody that it was Katy Perry she was talking about and that bad blood was written about Katy Perry. Katy Perry has brought it up five times in the last calendar year in mm. tweets and in interviews and she just gave another interview on television on the Late Late Show with James Corder or whatever, mm -hmm. where she said, you know, I think it's time if she wants to apologize and we can bury the hat. I'm just like, shut the fuck up about it. Yeah. She wrote a diss track. Essentially. Well, and she did that after criticizing Taylor for writing Bad Blood yeah. about their feud. Yeah, exactly. Now she's turned around and done the same thing. Like, I like Katy Perry. She's super hot. I like her music. <laughs> <laughs> In this particular debate. There is no question who is taking the high road, and it's Taylor Swift. Yeah, and she wrote a much more inferior song, too, that Swish Swish song with Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing compared to Bla Bad Blood, man. Mm -hmm. Bad Blood is a fucking awesome track. And it has Kendrick Lamar on that, mm -hmm. that song, man. Mm -hmm. And it was covered by Ryan Adams. Actually, every single yeah. song on that album was covered by Ryan Adams. Such a great album. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, I would want to do something in the vein of that. So something kind of rocking, like, I guess, pop rock in, mm -hmm. in a way, I would do... Uh, uh, as far as genre is concerned so yeah. she does great videos tay tay man. that's she a good does. that's a good pick that's mm -hmm. a good pick yep i'm going timberlake baby yeah my oh, man nice. crush is not a secret <laughs> and it's not sexual <laughs> that's right but i want to be his friend uh -huh. i want to hang around him so i have to answer him now it's funny to me that you mentioned you brought up chris stapleton a little yeah. earlier because when timberlake came to town for the cmas and duetted with stapleton mm -hmm. i i still watch that two song video probably every month yeah like, it's awesome they both are just singing so well in that song timberlake especially when he hits that dissonant note and it cuts back to keith urban he's like oh that's good shit <laughs> um, so i would put timberlake in a country setting i want to i want to have him do a country song that would be up tempo mm -hmm. um and then the video can just be you know him tweaking all the cliches from country music and having fun with them. Well, that's what I'd do. But mostly I'd just get to spend a couple of days with Timberlake. <laughs> I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. He does some really like high concept videos. Like uh, even starting out with Crimea River. Yeah. Um, that Br was like, Britney Body Double. Yeah, it was the Britney Body Double and everything. <laughs> but it was really, really well done. The song is, is excellent. But mm -hmm. then just the way that he's creepily stalking up. And then and then it goes into that weird supernatural thing where he's walking on walls and all that stuff, like Crouching Tiger yeah. and Timberlake. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. seems like another one of those up for anything kind of like the kind oh, of guy yeah, would definitely. Say, let's do that shit. Yeah. If, oh yeah. If he's doing bring it on down to Omeletteville, bring it on down to Omeletteville. <laughs> there, there, there's, there's something about both Taylor Swift and Justin Timberlake that just basically says, I mean, I, I think, I think even if I hated their music, 
I would want to work with them. Yeah. That's one of those, that's how, uh, you know, great of personalities they are mm-hmm. and everything. And like, like, I don't really like your music, but you know what? I bet you would be really good about collaborating on something creative like this and you'd be cool and everything. And yeah, hanging out with those guys would be awesome. Yeah, I agree. She's a little bit younger, but they'll probably be looked at as like the, the big wigs of this generation. Mm-hmm. You know? I think deservedly so, right? But, He'll be in the conversation like Frank Sinatra that we were talking about last week. He's on track to be Prince yeah. or Bowie. Um, and she, nobody is a bigger superstar in the world than Taylor Swift mm-hmm. in the world of music. And, and nobody is more on their game in terms of their brand and their message. And she writes all her own songs, plays mm-hmm. an instrument. You know, we, we've moved on from that Britney, Christina, Mandy Moore yeah. era where it was just pretty girls who cooed something that somebody else wrote and they mm-hmm. didn't know where F was on a piano. Um, I don't know why I chose F of all the notes. <laughs> That's my, that's my third chose, favorite I'm note. Glad I chose a real note. Otherwise, that would be embarrassing. <laughs> Where's the H? Yeah. And so, you know, I think you give them both maybe another five, ten years with another two, three albums each. And yeah, they'll be at an iconic level that few ever reach. Yeah. Like Michael, he could be Michael Jackson level. If he keeps going. Yeah. Because he's that talented. He's multi-instrumental. He writes music. He can sing. He can act. Um, and I, I think he's got that brain for producing which is why when he left in sync, he was the one that broke out as a success. Just I, I think we can watch One Direction today. Boy, am I derailing? Because mm-hmm. um, One Direction is now I think every single member has released solo music at this point, right? Uh, besides Louis, four of the five. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, which one is still around in ten years as an artist is probably going to be the one that can play instruments, write their own songs, and can produce mm-hmm. and not just sing. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I called Timberlake's success way back in 2000 or so uh, when he was just about to leave NSYNC. I said, that guy's going to be the next Michael Jackson. He could um, be. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed that you called that. But, uh, and I think Harry Styles is going to get there, too. You think? Not, not to that level, but I think he's got the talent to really you know, ascend much higher than a regular pop star. Well, we'll see. He's, I'm curious about Dunkirk mm-hmm. to see... Because I, I have to believe he was cast because he was good mm-hmm. and not to put teenage girls' butts in the seats of your movie. <laughs> Nolan doesn't think like that. So I'm very excited to see what he does. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go full kind of music geek on you and uh, pick Vampire Weekend mm. for my artist to work with. It's a good band. If you ever listen to Vampire Weekend, if you haven't listened to them, go out and listen to them because they're accessible, they're interesting. The the lead singers Ed, Ezra Koenig is his name has one of the most pure voices that you've ever heard, um, and they've got they've got a really good variety of of music. Some of it's really up tempo, some of it's very slow building and epic. And it's the latter part that I want to work with. There's a song called Hannah Hunt, and this album now has has been around forever. Modern Vampires of the City, um, and it's got this wonderful build to it. And the end of it is there's just this plaintive wail. And it's terrific. It doesn't have a music video. A lot of theirs does. A lot of theirs do. <laughs> the hell. Um, and uh, so I'd like to direct that, man, and uh, and do like a, a really nice, like huge, epic type of sweeping landscape uh, in the in the vein of Oasis's Do You Know What I Mean video, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite videos of all time. I think that would totally work. That's yeah. awesome. Good yeah, Absolutely. I like. Of the, the four people who know who Vampire Weekend are, the- I think they're I think they're pretty popular. I think they've got a bigger va- base than that. You think? I think so. It's well, not- I know they have a decent base, but it, I thought it was mostly like hipsters and 
You know, yeah, I imagine that it's probably mostly hipsters, mm. but there's uh, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of mainstream people in Ovan for a weekend. Thank God, they're so good, man. Yeah, I love their shit. And Paul Simon inspired. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the best thing that ends up really being a character all its own in a movie? An example is the ring in Lord of the Rings. Uh, funny that uh, I'm going to pick the nothing as <laughs> yes. my thing yes. as a character in the never ending story. Yeah. Uh, we never see the nothing because it's nothing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you just spoil the movie, goddammit. Um, but it's it's always there. It's always a threat. It's uh, it is it is embodied by Gamork, the the wolf like character mm-hmm. or whatever. He's a messenger of the nothing who's trying to kill Atreyu, but. All the while, while he's on this quest, there's this nothing that's coming in and like destroying parts of the world. It's terrifying. And, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and again, early 80s where nobody gave a fuck about yeah. what the kids saw. Um, but uh, but it's a character, you know, that you like, yeah, you never see it. You never hear like its demands. You know, it just wants to destroy everything in its wake. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's my pick. Nice. Good pick. Nice. What do you think? I'm going to give two. Uh, the city of Boston and Gone Baby Gone. Mm. Oh, um, I could have also said the city of Boston in the town. Mm-hmm. Both Ben Affleck films. Who's from Boston, so his love of Boston comes through. I bet he's not even doing it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, but in Gone Baby Gone, especially all those neighborhood shots with the voiceover talking about you know, that, the the city coming together and whatnot. It's just uh, I think it becomes a character mm-hmm. much the way you know Baltimore does in The Wire or. Mm-hmm. So you were talking to somebody on SoundCloud about this, or uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Treme in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah David yeah. Simon's really good about making a city a character. Uh, and the other one I'll give you is uh, the weather slash rain in the movie Seven with yes. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman. Oh, nice. Yeah, where it it it's so much more oppressive than weather in movies usually is. I don't know what it is, man. It's the way Fincher shoots it, or or it everything just looks drenched mm-hmm. and dour and like. And then and there's something else added to all that when you see Brad Pitt's like hand all bandaged up because yeah. he he had to slide down that like ladder or whatever and and in that rain that uh-huh. rainy scene and everything he what actually broke his hand in real life um, running hmm. across the street going over one of those cabs he broke his hand mm-hmm. so they had to write in the injury into the film hmm. to explain why he's got his yeah. hand all bandaged up for the rest of the movie right where does that does that ever come out and say where it's set. No, no, that's another beautiful thing about it. Very purposefully doesn't. If you recall, this movie is set in a big city and and it looks like New York, but it's close to a desert. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Because they have to go out and all that. It's uh, it's very interesting how the the geography of that is very fictional or like they're trying to make it every city, you know, or whatever. Uh, But uh, yeah, that's a good one. The rain. Yeah. In seven. It's it's the thing that you think about like one of the first things you think about after you think about the basic things of seven is yeah. that rain all that rain yeah wow, i like the the weather aspect of this like the the cold in fargo oh nice is, yeah. is a thing uh i'll go back to actually the we were talking about this on a movie recipes thing it's the heat and cool hand loop yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. um and chris brought it up in in the filming where and I didn't think about it. The the heat is oppressive. Just mm-hmm. overall, you see when they're working out in the in the on the line, they're they're threshing everything. They have to take their clothes off and all that stuff. But when Newman goes into the hole, 
And yes. when he gets when he gets punished, you know, unfairly so, and just has to endure what what you can imagine unimaginable heat um, in the middle of summer. That makes it just like ten times more effective. And he's on. He's in a. He's in a. It, the hole is like something that basically conducts heat. So like, yeah, he's probably like, he probably can't really lie down or anything like that. Oh no, yeah, because it, the the actual surface that he's on is is probably baking hot. Mm-hmm. I just can't even imagine. Like, yeah, they do a really good job of that. They could have shot that in. 30 degree weather and still made it look like hot but it looks freaking hot oh my god great all right um that'll do it for this week keep going to soundcloud giving us your thoughts hey yeah let us know what's going on uh we want to communicate with you we'll talk to you on soundcloud uh email us if you want to tweet us um all that stuff we will try to keep in touch as much as possible man love hearing your feedback click click boom that's right um who was that was that pod no that was saliva saliva (laughs) (laughs) same band pretty much um uh anyway that'll do it for this week it's chris atkinson jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com All right, who else has something to say? Wolfman's got nards. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) What? Monster Squad? Is that what it is? No, that's definitely Monster Squad. Wolfman don't have nards. (laughs) So it was Johnny Depp is playing the Invisible Man, isn't he? Oh, maybe. Because they released like a picture of uh, Tom Cruise. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) He just cashed the check. Yeah. We cast Johnny Depp, but it's all CG. <laughs> he doesn't even have any lines. We're still paying him fifty million. We're going to bring Chevy Chase back to play yeah. Memoirs yeah. of Invisible. I prefer. I want my molecules back. What's funny is in that picture, it's got Russell Crowe, um, Javier Bardem, Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, and then this woman. <laughs> this lady, who nobody, who nobody knows. No, she's is in. It, she's in something. Paula Wagner is it? Is no production. It's, uh, um it's uh, i've seen her she's before. the bride of frankenstein right i've seen uh, her before oh javier bardem is going to be frankenstein's monster oh yeah and uh so sophia batella is the actual mummy in this sophia but who who who's was got the, the weird eyes who's the blade chick in uh kingsman fuck you not you that what fuck that Stop. scared me um, i thought there was a little girl in the next room oh my god then my secret would be out <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Chris has managed to keep a daughter hidden from us for eight years. Yeah, you don't know, guys. When we did that one podcast in the closet, I had to find another place to put her. (laughs) Annabelle Wallace is the, uh, I believe, the main chick that's in it, and she was in what was the recent thing? She was in King Arthur, which of course nobody saw. She's in Annabelle. She's in Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. They look real peaky. Yep. Anyway. I've never seen that show. I haven't either. But Sophia Batella was in Kingsman. She was the blade chick, and mm-hmm. she was also the uh, makeup chick in Star Trek Beyond. 
Oh yeah, whatever her name was in that. Oh, uh, J J Jai. Uh, Jayla. 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 Yes. Jai. If my- you want my loving, I need. <laughs> Gave you all my trust. (laughs) (laughs) We're still doing three free snacks. Three Three free snacks. Three free. Three free snacks. Three three sneef racks. (laughs) (laughs) That movie's complete garbage. And uh, the IMDb has it at 6.5, which I think is pretty high for a movie of that. Uh, being that terrible hmm. i mean yeah i can understand people just kind of forgiving it it's like ah, it's the mummy it's brendan fraser he's so fun in that and blah 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 but like that movie is just it's just makes no sense whatsoever it's what terrible the first one's at least enjoyable i think yeah the first one i actually sat there and watched it and was like ah, i can kind of dig this yeah. but uh the the second one is just awful because it's the story is about Okay, so they they have to that there's the Scorpion King. Mm-hmm. They and he apparently wakes up every five thousand years, is what they said. But he he only just got buried or whatever. He just went down to the underworld five thousand years ago. So there's not like a basis of fact. <laughs> this is the first time. He wakes yeah, up. this would be the this would be the first time he wakes up. So there, there, there's a casual. He wakes up every five thousand years. <laughs> if we were to wait another five thousand, yeah, we, yeah, and then, and then, like, so there. So the plan is, they're going because he wakes up and because he has this big army and everything. And I still don't. And and that was another thing. I don't understand why he's allowed to wake up because, um, the he sells his soul to this Anubis god or whatever so that he can conquer his enemies. Mm-hmm. And so Anubis uh, wakes up and, and or Anubis gives him all these abilities and gives him this army. So he vanquishes his enemies. As soon as he's done with van- vanquishing his enemies, he takes him down to the underworld. So why would you let him come out 5,000 years later? What What's the purpose of that? And then, uh, and then, so the plan of the bad guys in this is that because the Scorpion King is, is going to arise, they need to resurrect Emotep. Yeah. Because they want they and they've got his old girlfriend reincarnated with them, because as as one has <laughs> yeah, um and uh, so they're <laughs> so they're gonna resurrect Emotep so that he can conquer the Scorpion King and they can take the army, <laughs> and there's like a bracelet that the score like the the so the very beginning is Brendan Fraser and Rachel Vice, they find the Scorpion King bracelet and like she starts having flashbacks because she somebody reincarnated from from like <laughs> way back when yep. and they find the scorpion king bracelet because she remembers all this shit and then of course they do this whole thing well there's a destination type thing going on here where you know you only found that bracelet because you were meant to find it and all this bullshit <laughs> and so like they they so like was it um so so yeah, I was like, so sitting there going, wait a minute, does the Scorpion King arrive? Okay, so as soon as they get the bracelet, like all this stuff rumbles and all this other shit, shit. I was like, so is does the Scorpion King arise because you got the bracelet, or is it because it's five thousand years and it's time it for just him? happens to be it's coincidentally right. the time? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Maybe know that- it's every five thousand years someone finds the bracelet. Oh, mm. therefore he wakes up. Mm. I don't know. I don't know either. The movie doesn't know, <clears throat> and and so. 
so yeah, they they decided okay, well, we definitely need to resurrect Emotep because he'll be able to beat him. And bring back the classics, play yeah, the hits. Yeah, right. And it's and basically the Demolition Man plot. You remember <laughs> It's like Bad Santa. <laughs> um so so then uh what is it? What else in there that just didn't make any sense? So of course, their stupid kid that they've had. Rachel, yeah, that kid's a dumbass. Yeah, the stupid kid that they have uh, opens up the chest and the bracelet. He starts wearing the bracelet, and the bracelet shows you these places where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And you go to these places, and it'll lead you to the Scorpion King or whatever. So they start just making up some fucking rules after this. They just like they're they, he's like uh, oh. Oh, he'll die in seven days if he doesn't get to the place in time. And that's and I was like, okay, all right. And then it's also the ring. It is also the ring. <laughs> um, but the, the the I was I was watching this movie and I was like, okay, so they got the scorpion bracelet showing you where you go next, and you go to this one place, and that place tells you where to go next, and then the next place tells you where to go next, and so on and so forth. And finally you reach it, and I'm sitting there going, why? would one even want to take this journey because all you're doing i mean yeah maybe uh, do you want the scorpion king to arise and just have his arm like and have his army come out is that is that your end game that's what happens when they make it to that destination yes well no 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 actually no they keep inventing shit that happens (laughs) because you'd think oh just being there would be enough right um so the kid they get the kid there uh finally you know like just in time before the sunset uh comes and all that bullshit uh they hit they get in there and the bracelet comes off and the kid throws it like just i, I don't know what that's supposed to do <laughs> he throws it somewhere and he's like huh yeah got rid of that and then some asshole comes up out of nowhere and he's like oh the bracelet's here i'll put that shit on and then he goes down into some other area of the temple and he sticks his arm in this thing and that's what calls the calls the army out. Wow. And I was hell. like I was like so if okay, so if your if your purpose is to come out here and to find the scorpion king and everything, you have to figure out it, it first off, it tears the bracelet off of your wrist and then you have to go well shit, I just got to put that back on. <laughs> <laughs> It, it just nothing and and that's why there was so much stuff that i was writing on this because it the the rules are ill-defined mm-hmm. the the whole why would you even go through all of this that doesn't make any sense like there's no there's no there's no treasure at the end of this you're just calling up some dude who's gonna kill you yeah and and the and the, the the when he is resurrected the the, the rock or whatever uh-huh. he's a he's a he's now an official scorpion when he comes out oh my god the cgi oh my god <laughs> oh i remember this the i remember CGI how bad this is. is so bad oh my god he's a he's like a video game character oh and wow. he, and you know it's like i'm it's like you really like you're playing doom or something <laughs> which he would later go on he would star. later go on a star in doom uh, but yeah, there, there's just, there's stuff that just makes no sense, man. And the dude that like sticks his arm in the thing and the army arises and everything, the army arises, uh, they, <laughs> the army arises in this one patch of desert <laughs> where the Magi are sitting there waiting for them. I'm like, why are they, did, did they know they were going to have to fight the Magi? Is that why they, is that why they appeared 
right here in front of them? <laughs> or why aren't they like appearing in front of the pyramid? Like if you stuck your arm, of course, dude sticks his arm in there. The army arises and something eats his entire hand off, and it's just like bone there. <laughs> nice. And and uh, and I'm like. That's even more reason not to do all this shit. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, a hand is a small price to pay to raise a scorpion king. From That's the true. Dead. That's right. That's true. I mean, if all things considered, that guy should be dead. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 of course, you know, they they resurrect Emotep. They think this is an actual good idea. They resurrect him. First off, in the last movie, he's not even immortal anymore. They took his immortal soul away. So. Mm-hmm. He suddenly like can still do all the same shit and he's still immortal and I'm like no no you took his soul as I said in between it, the they, they parallaxed it yeah as I as, as said in the uh, the first the first one it looks like Santa and a sleigh or whatever takes under takes his soul back to the underworld because it looks like a bunch of fucking reindeer I think they're horses but it it, it just it feels like a Santa Claus movie and um. And, and 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 so at, after he, they take the soul in the first one, they're just able to stab his ass, and he's yeah. dead. And <laughs> now they resurrect him; he can get the powers back. That's bullshit. That is some bullshit. <laughs> Do you think uh, you think it's worse than what the new mummy is going to be? The new mummy looks pretty bad. New mummy looks bad. What about uh, the one with Jet Li? Oh, the, the the tomb of the dragon emperor or whatever. <laughs> I was shocked to find out that came out nine years ago. I thought that. I mean that that feels like not long enough. Yeah, I like, agree. Like that came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, I don't even remember that coming out. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it did well. No, I don't think it's got Brendan Fraser in it too. Though, it right? does. Yeah. It does have Brendan Fraser. Uh, does it really? What yeah. What kills me also? I was, I was I was like, who directed this shit? It was Rob Cohen. Mm-hmm. Rob Cohen has directed three movies with the name with the word dragon in the title. And I don't know if it's a thing or if it's a coincidence. <laughs> he's done Dragonheart and he's done Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Oh. And he's done The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. <laughs> but I don't I don't know and if he's a triple X dragon. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And uh oh. yeah, and Fast and the Furious, Dragonus, <laughs> Dragon Seven or whatever. <laughs> Dragon Drift. Yeah, Dragon Drift. 